Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. We are the boys in white and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful and Chile, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. Yes, he's back, everybody. In one piece, with both his hands, <laughs> healthy as well. Now, I, I was joking to you when you were flying back, Zach, that, oh, you're going to be coming back to the cold temperatures, you're going to get ill, you're going to have a cold. Whereas it's me, as you might be able to hear from my voice, that has come down with a cold. I will soldier through because I'm a, I'm a brave little soldier. That's what my mum always used to tell me. But you don't seem to have shown any ill effects from going from that heat to the cold. Is that because it was freezing at times over there? Oh, if you were in the wrong wrong part of the stadium, yeah, the air conditioning was like, yeah, incredibly, incredibly cold. So yeah, yeah just like being back home. Well, we're going to get in to Zach's trip in the show tonight. We're also going to be looking a little bit at some of the domestic news that's come out in MLS and the Canadian Premier League. And we're also going to kick things off by looking at the World Cup final because the 2022 World Cup winners have been crowned. And take a bow, Lionel Messi and Argentina, three times winners now of the World Cup. And wow. What a World Cup finals that was. Uh, amazing stuff, Steve. You watched it live. I yes. watched it on delay because I couldn't be bothered getting up at 7 o'clock whilst yeah. being sick. Watched it live, but very quietly because the, my wife was sleeping next to me, so I couldn't move too much when the goals were going in, but there was a lot of like inner monologue going on at that time. No, oh, sort of quiet oh, fist I, pumping? Inner, yeah, a little fist pumping, but I did that once where um, like I was... Che- like I was listening to it like during this World Cup where I started cheering, but it kind of squeaked out and it scared her because I thought I w- she because it was during when I was in pain and stuff like that with my stones. Oh. So she thought she thought there was something wrong with me. So I had to be very quiet this time because she overreacts when she's sleeping. She gets woken up by something. Oh. She gets, like if I yell while she's sleeping, then she thinks something's like having a heart attack or something like that. I mean, we've all done some quiet fist pumping yeah. in bed and let one squeal out every now and again. but <laughs> Of course. Especially during this World Cup. Yes. Zach, what, what did you make of it? 
Uh, yeah, I woke up and watched it with my son, although he kept on sort of falling asleep, so I didn't wake him up. See, this, um, this was why I wanted to watch it on delay. I'd switched all my phones and everything off. I didn't know the result, so well, it was as if I was watching I, it live. Did you, did I, had watch, him, I had to watch it. I had to watch it because I had to wake him up. <laughs> I, well, no, yeah, I kept on being like, hey, so what do you think about that? And then when you respond, I'd like shake him. Um, no, uh, yeah, I had to watch it because I had to go to work, so, uh, Actually, I missed the, like the last five minutes of the of regular time because I was driving to work, and at work I watched the the second half or the extra time and the and the PKs. It, I, I mean, it was. Um, I mean, for me, this is not quite a meteor match, but it's pretty close in terms of like not really <laughs> not really having a strong desire for either of these teams to, to, yeah. to win it. Yeah, I did the really storyline for one, but then for for somebody that. You know, like you didn't have a strong desire, but for somebody who didn't really care who won, I, I think it was an exciting match. Oh, yeah. it was, it was a, like a lot of people would say, like you know that you know that stretch. Like I think Michael, you mentioned it beforehand that that there was a stretch of like sixty minutes where there's nothing happening. Mm. But if you think of other World Cups, there's been stretches like that where there's been no goals and nothing happening for like sixty minutes. It's like there was. I, I wouldn't even are, say sixty. I would say from the second half up until the penalty. Okay. It, were, it, were, it wasn't a fantastic second half, but it was a good defensive display. Oh, Argentina sure. were doing everything right and killing the game off, which we've seen France do before. And yeah. I mean, going into this game, it was we knew it was going to be a, a tale of the two tens. It turned out it was a tale of the two tens, and it was a, a tale of the two tenths as well, because it was like an absolutely tense edge of the seat stuff once France got themselves back into it. It was like Agatha Christie had written a World Cup final with twists and turns and yeah. a few obvious plot twists as well as in Messi scoring and Mbappe scoring and it it was just, it was an incredible game and like Argentina we won't break down the whole game but like Argentina came out strong and <laughs> We knew going into it, France had been hit with yeah. like sickness in, in the camp and it looked like they just had no energy. And Argentina, that first half, that was clinical stuff from Argentina. France weren't even in the match. They looked to be coasting. They looked to be home and dry. Messi, of course it was Messi that fired them ahead from the spot in the 23rd minute. Was that a penalty for you? Well, I, yeah, I, the French team, it was weird. He went with kind of what had, kind you know, his, his kind of favored mostly starting 11, except mm. for, I guess, the back was a little bit, had been switched up because of it's flu and other stuff. I don't, I just personally, I mean, I watched him in the Bundesliga for for a while, and I've watched him in Champions League and, and a little bit in La Liga. I do not rate uh, Osman Dembele. Like, when Dortmund sold him for whatever tens of millions or over 100 million or whatever it was to... To Barcelona, everyone in the Bundesliga was like, "Wow, that's such a steal!" Like they've they've just like ripped off Barcelona so bad, and he is just not like a complete player to me. And it wasn't like it was wasn't one mistake; it was two mistakes. It was a lazy, lazy lunge, like incredibly lazy lunge that um, Di Marie easily just walks by him. And then, unfortunately, I, I thought at first I thought Michael, I thought no, no, it's not a penalty, not a penalty. And you watch the replay, and you're like, yeah, there's no way they're going to overturn that mm. because he does kind of go into the into his or his feet or whatever. And yeah, I, I I was I was so frustrated, and yet I was so happy that Deschamps 
showed enough gumption to to take him off before the half and to take off Giroud, who I thought my son said something about he had issues in training, you know, leading up to the final. I don't think he had a knee issue. Knee yeah, issue. Knee, yeah, exactly. Makes so a change that, from I, some of the other issues that we've seen in the French camps over yeah. previous World Cups. So yeah, I think ultimately it was a penalty, unfortunately. But um, Deschamps, I think, deserves a lot of credit for not sitting back and um, actually like showing that he was willing to make changes even at the 40th minute mark. Yeah, but my only issue with making the change at the 40th minute mark uh, was the fact that why didn't you make that change at halftime? Maybe Argentina doesn't have any chance to uh, like make adjustments or something because I feel like they mm. had they made adjustments for that those changes. Um, for me, the penalty, Michael, you asked it was that a penalty. Whether you want to call it a penalty or not, it was definitely consistent because it's kind of very similar yeah. to what France got called. So in That's that true. way, it was consistent. So I don't have an issue with it. I I was kind of leaning towards this. I, I don't feel either one was a, that much of a penalty, but I feel like uh, it was close enough that it definitely was not going to be overturned. Yeah, because when I first saw it, I thought soft. And then you see the replay, and like Zach said, it's not enough there to overturn it. And there was definitely something that went on. But I mean, France's downfall in some of their games has been some poor defending. You saw it in the England game as well, where there was just some horrendous defending for them. But I mean, they had some great defensive plays in, in this game as well. Yeah. The the second goal for Argentina, though, I mean, that's one of the goals of the tournament. Di yeah, Maria, great, what a team goal. Team. The, the pass from McAllister to play in Di Maria, though, as well, absolutely timed to perfection. Showed some of his Scottish roots there. Yes, I, I just wanted to get that I, in. I knew you knew. I mean, it was a great team goal, but to me, I would say France's second team goal was even better. But you're right. No, it was, it was a good team goal, except for the, the other thing is, I don't really rate the guy to begin with, even though he's done some great things and, you know, obviously he's won a World Cup. But uh, I I thought Lloris went down, like, way too early on. I know he's coming across and he's worried about what's going to happen and he's trying to make himself big, you know, width-wise. Yeah. I thought if he, if, he sta- if he stands it up, if he comes across standing up and tries to react more than kind of just diving, that that's not as easy I, to finish. I 100% agree. agree. I feel like goalies dive way too quickly in most avenues where if they just stayed upright, they would not be able... The, the 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 attacker sees too much, and he he there is he doesn't know it kind of panics them. The other thing about France defense, France's defense, and I, I know I think you guys have commented on this on other shows. The one thing you, you have to say about France, whatever you think about them, however you feel about them, they have at least bare minimum half of a starting eleven that got injured before this tournament, right? Yeah. Like so, it's not just Benzema, it's not just Pogba, it's not just Conte. But it's also Kim Pembe, one of their key uh, center backs, and and there's a few other guys who I think would have been well. Hernandez well. in the first game, Herna- yeah, yeah, my buddy Hernandez, the better yeah. Hernandez. The, the other thing is I don't rate Vranje. I I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm biased, or whatever. I would have loved to have seen Benjamin Hard got 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 more playing time in, in at center back, but even even Canote, who used to play for Dead Bull, uh, I thought would have been uh, better to start the game than him, but. Yeah, uh, uh, the one thing the one thing about De, De Maria, I felt like he was like probably one of their other than Messi was their best player. Yeah. Although he was on the pitch, he showed the form uh, that he had uh, pre Man United and post Man United that, that time because he definitely did not show that form while no, he was Man United. It, it, like De Maria as well, the emotions that he went through in the bench. On oh, the bench, crying, over... he was crying when Messi scored. He was crying when he got, he got the Ronaldo treatment. He got the oh. Ronaldo treatment on the bench. Oh, yeah. I mean, he you were, he was just living every kick of that. And as a player, you just want to be on that pitch. And you're if you're not, you're just kicking every ball from the, the bench. And and he's someone, again, 
who like Kunaguero, who we also saw in the crowd, yeah, made his made his mark or initial marks in you know in the national setup at the U twenty here in Canada in two thousand seven, right? Like I saw Di Maria score uh, the the lone goal in a quarterfinal match against Mexico in Ottawa. Uh, was the first time I saw him play, and then I saw him play in the you know the semifinal, and the final as well in Toronto. But yeah, he he's a quality player uh, who, like Messi, is coming is coming to the end of his of his days at at the top level. It, it looked done and dusted, and I, a lot of the second half it wasn't great. Argentina were just doing what they needed to do. They shut France down. France just seemed to to have nothing. And then two goals in ninety seven seconds, and the game's turned on its head. And I I, I said to Kirk. I said to Kirk, I said, well, 15 minutes left. I said, they only need a couple minutes to score a couple goals. Spot and then it happened and it was, and, it was and, like, and, yeah. and that little sequence there also uh, provided some semblance to the people that say 2 nothing is the worst lead. <laughs> I know. I, I because... That was going through my head. I, I, I've got that written down in my notes. I've got, oh, the most dangerous lead in football. It, but if you think of it, that is a prime example. Like, I'm not, I'm not yeah, a big believer. I'm a big is. believer that... Uh, that two, I would rather have a two nil lead than not have a two nil lead. I would rather have that. But the thing is, that what makes the two nothing lead dangerous is you have to attack them right away. You just can't sit back and relax. And that's what France did. They went after them while they were still stumbling, getting shell shocked by that first goal, and they took advantage of it. And that's how they got back in the game. France needed the spark. They got the spark with that penalty from Mbappe. And I mean, we talked about the great team goal for Argentina's yeah. second, and that that was like. Some lovely interplay as well for that French second. Yeah, I was happy Coman, you know, made at least one con- positive contribution to the game before having some negative impact later. I wasn't sure how extra time was going to go, if they were just going to both be cagey or whatever, but, I mean, the the two men of the moment, the two number 10s, made their mark. When Messi put Argentina back ahead in the 109th minute, I thought, again, oh, France, that's them. They're done, they're not yeah. going to come back. I'm kind of glad that wasn't the winning goal because the commentary was awful for it. And as a commentator, I so felt for them because it's like that could have been Messi's moment of winning a World Cup for himself and for his country. And they've got a horrible call on it because of the confusion. And it was all because the co-commentator thought he'd seen the flag go up from the linesman and just kind of... had no idea what was going on. Well, the linesman apparently did a, like, oh, no... Right, like that's why. He, I, that's I, didn't know that I don't know if he raised it though to maybe he was going to kind of signal that the ball was over the line, but that's probably what watch on and it didn't yeah. need to do that. And I think that's what it is. I think the linesman was pointing that it was a goal or something. It yeah, the line. but my maybe, ma- mass confusion and but the ball was so far over the line and yeah. Messi turned away and it was just a bit confusing from the commentary. But I mean, the emotions again that were going through the Argentina team at that point. But then back comes France, and again, it's consistency, as you said, Steve, for penalties. Hand raised, handball in the box, another penalty. Mbappe yeah. steps up and buries it. Mbappe, to steal a line from Ali McCoist on the ITV commentary over in the UK, Mbappe, with the first hat-trick in a World Cup final, where all three shots have actually crossed the line. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Truth. That's been doing the rounds on all, all my social media feeds over there. Alan McCoist, love the guy. Yeah. Always got to get a little digging in the English when he can. But also very true as well. Very true. But I mean, wow. That was just a, an amazing 120 minutes of football. 
I mean, both sides could have won it as well in stoppage yeah. time of extra time. You've got to take your hat off to Martinez for that save oh, on, on Colomani. Wow. Colomani is uh, he's at Frankfurt, so I've seen him play a bunch this year. I think this is his first year at, at Frankfurt, and uh, he, he has scored some big goals. I think he'll have nightmares about that because he he just smashed it instead of placing it or maybe is, even even trying a, a, an audacious is, chip. Didn't he score against Morocco? Yeah, as well. Yeah, first yeah. touch or something like that. Yeah. So you know, um, for me, like, uh, I, uh, I want to go back to the substitutions. I think the person, and I'm only mentioning this because I mentioned him in the pre pre show, uh, Kamavinga when he came on the pitch. That yeah. basically turned uh, France around on the pitch for me, that, and that I'm, was... I'm surprised he wouldn't wasn't. He didn't start or play more. Uh, that guy is such a big talent, such a young player, and I think he could have. He's yep. very similar to uh, uh, my in, in not not in play, but in, in the impact of midfielders is uh, Bellingham is to England and uh, uh, Musilia is to uh, Germany. The thing Those is, three Kamu... guys are going to be future star midfielders for. Oh, Europe. totally, yeah. Camavinga yeah. is awesome. He he's actually yeah he's a central midfielder, left footed central midfielder who they yeah. brought on for Hernandez, and he slotted in at left back. But he yeah. also, yeah, did great, great going forward. And it was those two double subs. It was the one in the 40th minute, and then it was it was uh, Kamavinga and Coman coming in that, yeah, ultimately, uh, you know, helped with the, helped equalize the game in, in regular time. When you've got three penalties in a World Cup final and a penalty shootout, I mean, that is something else in itself. I thought it was interesting in the shootout as to when Mbappe and Messi would go, and they both stepped up and they both went first. Yeah. yeah, and Mbappe was fortunate. Messi was also fortunate as well because there wasn't a lot of power on that one from Messi, and the keeper had readjusted but just couldn't get back to get to it. I yeah. thought the keepers, they on the whole, they did excellent in in this shootout. But in the end, I don't Argent- know. I'm I'm, I'm my uh, not the the Hugo Lloris's movement was very odd to me. Yeah, and and when he was taking the penalties, it, it was the way he was diving and everything. It doesn't seem natural to me. He was very. <laughs> I, I think I feel like he overcommitted. Yeah, he sometimes I feel like he overcommitted, and sometimes he didn't. He was very hesitant. There was some some issue with his movement in the in the he, on the line. And I, I correct you guys. I don't watch enough Premier League, but my understanding is he has made like lots of quality, you know, uh, penalties. Yeah, penalty yeah. saves in the Premier League. But um, I yeah, I, I felt like the uh, was it the was it Messi's Messi's and the second one, maybe more so the second one. Where yeah no yeah it was Dibiala Dibiala's where he oh the one that was right down the middle yeah where he yeah. he he does the fake like I'm going this way but he then dove that way it's like you don't usually do that right and but his he, his leg his foot just yeah. missed if it he, if he had done the hey I'm going this way but really going that way his legs yeah. absolutely would have gotten it yeah. and even the third one even the third one even though he came close to saving that one uh, that was weird too to me I I don't remember the fourth one at all uh, I said by that I, it was a I said to Kirk when when I saw Coleman going second, I said he's not going to score. Like I, I, I know, called I called it a miss before, I know, as he was like, as you were running. I know, up there, I know, I, I know. King, I love him. Scored a Champions Champions League winning goal for Bayern. But when I saw him going second, I just said, Kirk, this is not going to end well. And then when Trumani stepped up, I said, Kirk, this is also not going in. I didn't know he's going to miss the net, but I was just no, like, this well, is not he was, going in. The mind games we got played with him because the, yes. the, oh, the goalkeeper threw yes. the ball away. Basically, I love that. I've got to say, um, I mean, you've got to do some shit housery. Well, Michael, you would have loved the Argentine goalie because of how he celebrated getting the golden glove. 
Well, I, I liked when he did the little. No, I, I haven't actually watched this the ceremony I, afterwards I've just, yet. I've just put it on on now at home, and he he puts the golden glove, I believe, in his crotch, and sort oh, of like geez. it's a little bit awkward. I don't know what his intention was. I've, I had the volume on off when I when I want when I whatever, but yeah, I think maybe maybe think of some of the comments you've made over the years, Michael. Oh, interesting. I'll I'll have to have to dig that out. But yeah, Argentina now become three times. World Cup winners. I've got to say, off their three wins, this is probably their most impressive because obviously the first one on home soil was impressive and I remember that 78 World Cup, but I was very young at the time and Mario Kempes was the man and Maradona was the man for their second win and obviously it's now Lionel Messi and I'm happy that Messi's got his World Cup. But for a number of reasons, and Zach's making a face here, but here's why I'm saying that. The chat between whether Messi or Ronaldo was the best... Oh, that's over now. ...has been boring as hell to me because I've yeah. always felt Messi was the, the far better player. And I think this has now cemented that and killed that argument, or hopefully it has. Obviously, the Ronaldo fans will, will disagree. But the pressure that has been on his shoulders to deliver for his country and he's been held up as one of the greatest of all time now mbappe has that pressure as well but mbappe got that world cup monkey yeah. off his back the last time around so you kind of saw the he, he can play a lot freer but messi's had this baggage and he's had this weight on both his shoulders for so long that what, to go what's... out like this i just think is absolutely tremendous for him What's your guys' opinion on the Argentina team as a whole? Do you feel like I feel, I kind of feel like he's had stronger Argentina teams playing with him before? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think this think is we probably said, the weakest, Steve, the... yeah, weakest, weakest team that he's played on on paper. Not yeah. maybe obviously effort and everything like that, but on paper, I feel. Yeah, good job. The game's played in grass, as I yeah. always say. It's usually <laughs> the opposite. It's like good in paper, shit in grass. But yeah. the, this team is definitely not the best Argentina team that we've seen in a World Cup. But they they play, I think, more as a team. Yeah. And they look up, the younger guys look up to Messi so much and they want to do it for him. And I think a lot of that, that has helped. Now, you you made a face when I said, I'm glad he won the World yeah, Cup. I, 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 a, couple, a couple of things. One is... That's because well, Germany didn't win. That's why he's being... <laughs> no, I mean, well, Germany beats Argentina in the final more often than not. But... I don't have a like a, a horse in the race of the Ronaldo Messi thing. I don't. I don't. I don't like either either of them. I think they're both amazing footballers. They're both so to me so different, right? Like Messi is like a sort of natural, like it seems just like a naturally gifted footballer who also works hard, but naturally gifted and not like a street footballer, but just more different. Whereas Ronaldo, he is like the guy who is incredibly talented, but you know works ridiculously hard to be as good as he is and whatever but i i don't yeah i don't like i don't really like either of them but i agree with you guys in terms of like hey like you know ronaldo or messi has the you know the edge on him now that he's won the world cup and ronaldo's definitely not going to win a world cup which which i'm happy about as well um in terms of the one the only saving grace for me in terms of argentina winning this um and claiming their third is um kind of what you guys just said that although in this game, especially not the tournament as a whole, but this game, the team rose to the occasion and the way they came out at the beginning um, and the, the way they kept going when when things didn't go their way, 
later in the game, like they they rose to the occasion. Their will their their will to win was very high, um, and you know having Messi and whatever obviously helps that, and he played a big role in that. But um, I don't see this Argentine team getting to another final even until the next time they have a generational player, right? Which, I mean, when you look at it, that's, yeah. that's all that's happened to them, right? They've had generational players in Maradona and Messi, and those players have made finals and won finals and lost finals. And so I don't see, like, I'm not worried. I have no fear. Like, if you were if you were, if you you were were into betting, I don't see anyone in the right mind saying, I bet Argentina will be in or win the next World Cup final. Whereas France, who I would yeah. have slightly preferred to win because of the Bayern connection with the players and... And and whatever and Argentina not winning, um, the, uh, had they won, like you wonder how much they could keep this role going, right? Because their players are so young, or sorry, a significant number of them are so young and still have aren't even at the you know peak ages of their career. And the you know again the so many guys being out of this tournament and not even involved in the hunger that they'll bring when they come back and all that kind of stuff. It's like. It's a little bit scary to think had they won, you know, what would the Euro have been like in two years and what would the oh, next The talent that this French side have just now and have coming through and this conveyor belt they've had is incredible, Steve. And yeah, it's... I think they would have, I think Zach's right. I think they would have been, if they had won today, there would have been a, a potential for like a three-peat or whatever. Yeah, or, I mean, everyone talks about the boys from Brazil and Brazil's dominance and the... Three out of four, yeah. 60s in, in the World Cup. And it's like, th this would have been the same for France. Argentina, we won't get into this just now, but if they get given the hosts of 2030 with Uruguay, which I feel mm. they should. Oh, yeah. That could be a, another time that we, you see that push Argentina over. Oh, I but forgot yeah, I about that. I don't fancy them in, in 2026, I've got to say yeah. that. So this World Cup, most goals ever, 173. You'd imagine that will get beaten next time around with the extra teams in it, but I mean, well, that's extra games, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, that, I think that goes about to, uh, I think that goes uh, to something we're going to talk about later on is the, is the temperatures that they played in and the state mm -hmm. of the the stadiums, and maybe you know for those who didn't get you know knocked out of it due to injury, also the form that they're in in terms of you know where most of them are playing their club football. Where does this World Cup rank for you? There's been a lot of talk that this has been the best World Cup ever. And there's always a lot of a recency bias in these kind of things because a lot of folk haven't seen older World Cups and whatever. Same with this final, everyone's saying it's the best World Cup final ever. And it, that is hard to, to, to disagree with. There's been some great finals over the years, but th this is right up there. Without going back and watching every single one again, it's like it's hard to say. But just for this World Cup in general, just to round this part off, where, where does this rank for you? So for me, this ranks like probably like, and I'm going to give you two rankings. I'm going to give you the because Canada in it is in it ranking, and then mm. I'll do the other one. But for because Canada's in it, it's probably going to be the one, the top one for now until we see like 2026 come around. It's just the, the because of the bias, but overall for the games, it's got to be up there. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to find another one where we saw so many upsets like this, and and still teams are able to rebound. Like like right now, Saudi Arabia could claim a, a you know a portion of the World Cup because they beat Argentina. In yeah, because Scot so, Scotland did that when they beat England at Wembley in 1967, and yeah. they're like, well, we've beat the world champs, so we're now the world champs. 
Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, so but Sided like, did it before they were the world champs. But uh, overall, like I'm, I'm trying to think back. I'm, I'm thinking like um, I remember uh, 2002 was uh, a good one, um, uh, just because it was in a different, completely different place than we were used to. Usually, it was Europe or Africa. I mean, Europe and, or uh, South America. And this was, I think, Asia. It was the first one in Asia, so that was gonna fun to watch. And there were a lot of upsets there. Yeah, I think I think it's up there. It's definitely, '98 was good too because you got to see a first-time winner that year. Um, but yeah, they're right. I'm sure Zach's top ones are going to be the ones where Germany wins. Uh, those are going to be his best ones. But overall, it, it ranks right up there. Uh, if you take the Canada portion up there, out of it. So Zach, just your your thoughts on where this tournament sits? Yeah, I mean, there's you know mixed elements to it. Like I agree, with Steve. Canada being there makes it incredibly special. Having been able to go to uh, so many games for me also <laughs> makes it kind of be there, you know, makes it special. Um, uh, I think, yeah, in general, the quality of football and, you know, number of goals are those are nice things as well. But I really didn't like, like, even from the round of 16 onward, I was like, ah, uh, this is, this is not, not what I would like to see <laughs> in terms of the teams going through. <laughs> um so i I mean from that perspective it's kind of like not my favorite and and you know in in that sense but in terms of overall quality i think it's definitely up there and i think it will like for the football so obviously you know there's the the fact that it was in qatar and controversies and all that stuff um that will always not asterisk it but you know that will have a certain perception about it i think in the years ahead but the final i think does help make it even that much more special so i think for me, it's not definitely not number one, but it's definitely like up there. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's always tough to see past the '82 World Cup and the '90 yeah. World Cups. I I think they were two absolutely fantastic games. I still remember Italy Brazil in the 1982 knockout stages. That was just like absolutely phenomenal match. And Italy actually, they won the World Cup in '82. They didn't win a single group game. They drew their three group games and they right. won that. Spain were the, the team that actually lost their opening match in 2010 and then right. went on to win it in, in South Africa. But, I mean, I think it's right up there. I think it's been an absolutely fantastic tournament. Hope you've all enjoyed it. Hope you've enjoyed our, our coverage over the last few weeks of it. We're, we're going to kind of round it off in this episode because, obviously, we've got Zach back on the show. So he's going to share some experiences of his time over in Qatar. And we'll have that coming up in parts three and four of this episode. Before that, we're going to bring you the next song in AFTN's Festive 15 for 2022. If anyone hasn't listened to the the show in the recent weeks, what we're doing is in a homage to John Peel, one of my icons. And he had his Festive 50 every year. We're doing a Festive 15. It's my favourite tracks could be singles, could be album tracks from 2022. We're playing the songs in full at the start of every part. And we're going to be back with the song that's made it in as number 10 after this. This is Atiba Hutchinson and you're listening to the AFTN Show. Let's go. 
deep inside and take a dive Cause in my mind I think we'd be more in sync If I explain some things Okay, here, I'm quite damaged Youth wasn't tragic, but later life had it Took a lot of drinking and drugs to distract it Then you go numb and nothing really matters Lost a mate in a cancer, ex through sadness Even the most beautiful souls can get damaged Another mate chasing a dragon Then another mate died of cancer What the fuck's happening? Life is a bitch, I nearly gave up on it Covid lockdown in my house, I was struggling Working from home gave a chance I could work in it And not meeting people was the best thing I ever did So you think you're complicated Girl, hold my drink Or call a shrink Let's go Deep inside and take a dive Cause in my mind I think we'd be more in sync If I explain some things Now what? So what's next? Should probably move on, I'm not planning my death Always wrote songs about the state of my head And expressed my duress through a wave and a speaker set I'm shy and I'm anxious Until you put a mic in these parameters And then I'm kind of fabulous Pull out my heart when I'm rapping this Put it on the page for analysis Beats off beats so that beat suits me Cause my brain's off tracking it Fits, fuse lit Fusing, put you confusing with music My muse is a mix of the things I have lived Plus things I would die for and which none left I'm not even doing my best I don't really care much anymore to impress I don't even cut my hair anymore, it's a mess But I got fitting tones so the mirror is my friend Look at Jesus, what about is my sex? Funny at my best, I'm the one in my ends Fell in love with myself, not again For the first time, self-hate's there in case I'm needing remind Complicated track, maybe needing rewind Complicated guy, maybe out of his mind Okay, that's about it Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's number 10 in our festive 15 for 2022 from Edinburgh, Scotland, Word, SOS, with a standalone single from August, Complicated. You can get that and all of Word's stuff through word.bandcamp.com. Go and support him, he's a friend of the show and great stuff from the Edinburgh rapper. But in this part, we're going to start to to get some of Zach's thoughts on the World Cup. We're going to be looking at the logistical side and some of the things that he found just in general from being over at the tournament in parts three and four. But in this part, I want to get Zach's thoughts on how he felt Canada did at the tournament. You've heard Steve and my thoughts in the last couple of shows Let's get some thoughts from Zach now. You were at all three games, and we'll speak about the rest of your trip in the next two parts, but let's just focus on the, the Canadian games. So you were at all three games. What were your, your just your overall thoughts of Canada's performance out there? Did you feel they overachieved, underachieved? Was it what you were expecting from them? No, I think, well, obviously we under underachieved. Uh, I mean, we got the, we we, you know, finally scored, but I mean... Uh, the the finishing our finishing let us down against Belgium and Belgium was more than ripe for the taking and uh, we really you know 
not just in retrospect, but we really needed to win that game. And we and we were the better team. And it was, I mean, you guys heard it. You, I think you guys heard it and felt in the media here on the ground. Man, there was so much respect for Canada after that game. Like people, when you meet people on the street before, you know, like the days days before, people are like, oh, yeah, from Canada, that's great or whatever. And after that game, everyone's like, oh, you guys played so well. You should have won. You should have scored. Blah, blah. Like everyone like. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of respect for Canada after that um, the Belgium game. Now, yeah. obviously, the respect, you know, shifted a little bit after people saw Belgium was really terrible, and we we didn't, you know, go on to to achieve anything results wise in the final two games. But um, for those few days there, there was a lot of people like they they come up to you and they're oh Canada was so good, you guys were so good. Um, so before that, folk were like, "Oh, you're from Canada, little tap." Oh no, 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 okay, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. The best was the best was on the ground there. My favorite thing, even even after that game, but definitely in those like first three or four, five, six days, whatever it was, we were there. Whenever you see people, uh, especially when you <laughs> when you see people from the other Concacaf nations, <laughs> we would just go up to them. We say, uh, "Greetings from the top of Concacaf." <laughs> very good which was which was a lot of fun and even and they took it well <laughs> but yeah it was a lot of fun yeah. were you proud of how they played yeah i mean i, I again yeah i mean in that game you so proud i mean it literally it's just the, the finishing that let us down i mean alfonso obviously from the spot but then the numerous chances that we created later that we re, like we really should have scored and i mean on top of i mean on top of that we were robbed of Let's say one point five penalties, like that. That the one on Richie Larea w- was a stone cold penalty mm-hmm. that I don't understand. Was Drew Fisher on VAR? No, Drew Fisher couldn't have been on VAR. Okay, um, no, I, 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 like I don't the know. How, I don't know how that how that that wasn't given. Like it was just well. The thing shocking. is, mm-hmm. there there was like talk, and we mentioned it on previous podcast that after the game, um, that there the TSN a referee that was on the panel or or in the studio, whatever, yeah, said it wasn't a penalty because Richie Lear moved his way in front of the player, and apparently there was it's a couple of other instances where that was called. But uh, from what I know, is like if, if there is there should be no rule like that because we've seen it before where somebody is trying to clear the ball and they move in front, they get hit, and it's called a penalty. So I don't understand that rule where that when that changed, but that's what the but most of the pundits that you know players and everything uh, that were on a lot of panels said that was a penalty. I yeah, I watched the BBC coverage out of curiosity to see what they thought, and they thought penalty as well, and that kind yeah. of were robbed. We, so. we were watching B in there with uh, Kaylin Kyle, and yeah. uh, the B in panel was like crazy because it wasn't like they have a set panel. It was like they have like forty footballers and they rotate them every day. Wow. Oh, really? it, it, yeah it was crazy it was the coverage was crazy um but uh yeah they i mean they they i think if my memory's right they they thought it <laughs> they yeah. thought there should have been a penalty and the, and the, uh, on top of that so my, my seats for the canada games were kind of either like next to or above the the, the players friends and family <laughs> Yeah, because so, some of your videos you, you kind of shared with us, it's like Sam's family and yeah, stuff. And... Yeah, so they were all there. So so for that, that game was um, in some ways the most enjoyable because we were behind, like right behind them all. And it was in a place where, because we, we were at the back of the section, we could stand, like the people I was with, like all, most of them wanted to stand, so we stood. But then when some of the players' families wanted to stand, they weren't allowed to. 
because they were blocking oh. people from the side. So for that game, what happened was um, Richie Richie Larea's brother Reggie wanted to stand, and they they were like they kept on coming up to me like, "Sir, you got to sit down." So we just told Reggie to move back a couple rows and stand with us. So he did. So Richie's Richie's brother Reggie, and then also Richie's son also came in, in that row and was hanging out. Cool. And um, so we were like getting like yeah, we were just it was it was fun to watch with him and because uh, his brother I mean played so so well in the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was, it was, I mean, it was fun. It sucked not being like having all the Canadians together and it, and it was not great to be away from, you know, the main areas where people were supporting, mm. um, that the first game, the first game was, uh, was special because it felt like, it felt like we, it felt like our stadium, right? Like there was very few actual Belgians who yeah, traveled. I was going to say about the atmosphere for the three games were all very different because the Belgian fans didn't travel in numbers. There was like were a few Croatia fans, and then Morocco was just insane because it was basically yeah. mostly Morocco. Yeah, they, they. So we we were on a we were on a metro with like some of the most passionate um, Belgian fans on the way to the ground, which was kind of fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the stadium, it was, it was, yeah, it was Canada was dominant. So the, the support was a little bit better. Like there was a little bit more varied in song and where we were, we just sang and then some of the families joined in. So sometimes yeah. we, we were joining in with what the main thing was happening. And sometimes we were so far away and nothing was happening. So we'd sing whatever we want. So that was, it was a lot that, that, that game was the most fun for that. I was going to um, ask you about that because you shared a video from the Croatia game where you got your your shirt as a tablecloth chant going that you had hoped to, but not many people were joining in with you. No, not not uh, that, that that one. I think that one video that was um Mrs. I think that was Mrs. Hutchinson's video. video. Um, and, and later later they did join in. Like later we got them more people join in because behind us there was like further up there was people like Claudio was there. Um, Dean Shillington from Six Five Sports was a few rows behind us, ah. um, and so uh, him and his people started to join in and uh, at the Croatia game. But yeah, the Belgian game. Uh, here's something else that was special. I don't know if they showed it on TV or not, but I, I shared it, so you, you guys have probably seen it. But um, one of the things that made Canada special, as well, and I know you'll have feelings about this individual either either way, but was the fact that they had a person on the pitch for each country to help whatever talk about the teams and introduce the teams and whatever and so we had we had brendan dunlop and um he so that one of his roles like the, you know the qataris brought these people in from these countries so one of his roles was to um do the intros of the team and so we we had been told hey he is going to try and do the he says the first name the crowd says the last name but it was like if if we were told if people don't do it, then he, they're going to make him say the last name. So enough people had been made aware or whatever. So he starts and it was just like, it was just like being at a home, like a home game, you know, and it was so awesome. And so like memorable and whatever. And, it, and um, yeah, that's that, that, that kind of meant, that, like made it like, I don't know, special and started things off on the kind of the right foot. And yeah, it was just so special to be there. It was funny. Cause I totally forgot like that, that your good friend Michael Terry Dunfield is an assistant coach on the team. So we're, oh. we're standing there. I was like, I was like, that's ter I, I totally Terry forgotten Dunfield. that as well. I was like, Terry Dunfield's on a World Cup pitch down there. Um, it probably it probably would not have been good for him to take the penalty either. But, um, but um, did you share any toilet space with him? No. To an oh answer God. our, Michael, our Michael, burning question. No. No. Oh. no. 
No, but we thought we talked to Kaylin a little bit because she was down there, kind of where Dunlop was, and then um, which was kind of like right in front of our section for that game. And um, I mean, the, the that the Belgium game, we were just oh, and also Belgium game. The other fun part was that was the only time I got to got to connect with Luke Wildman because when we got into the stadium, Luke was like there. He was like right there. He was, I guess, going up to his uh to the booth or whatever. So we got like five ten minutes to talk, and it was funny. He was like so. He was just like. He was nervous. He was just like, I, he's like, I want them to score like right away. He's like, it's like going to be unbearable if they don't score like early. And then we were talking about the lineup and he told us what to expect, you know, kind of what he thought they were going to do. And we, we talked about that and the pros and cons of that and whatever. Um, Cause then Alfonso, Alfonso played left back in the first game, right? Was it the first game he played? Kinda. Uh, he played a deeper was role. It? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't officially left back. But it was a, yeah, it was or wing. It was left wing back. Yeah, right? it was like a five. Yeah, so, um, so yeah. So what's so get, get, getting to the end of the Belgium game? Um, yeah, uh, obviously, and going into the Croatia game, what were your thoughts about uh, John Herbin's little comment there that seemed to spark a nation? Yeah. Oh my! Like I think he because Steve Stephen Lee disagree in this. So here's the thing, and you know, uh, Mass said it's right away. Mass is just like, oh, this that was really dumb. Like you've just poked the bear. Uh, That's what I said too. And and I, and I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, well, you know, it takes the pressure off the players. And he's like, no, you've just pissed off Croatia. Like, yeah. Now now they're going now, you know, whatever motivation they had before, you've just increased it. And so I was like, ah, hopefully not. <laughs> but obviously, it played a it played a role for them. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I think, I think one is I, I give John the benefit of the doubt. I give him the benefit of, you know, uh, we all, we all make mistakes like, or not mistake. We, we all sometimes maybe misstep like that or what can turn out to be a misstep. And so I, like, I, I, it's to me, it's not like a, oh, he should be sacked or, oh, he's horrible or whatever, but I don't, I don't think you'll see him make that kind of statement again in a situation like that. Um, because it it obviously it played a, it played a role, um, and, and I I don't feel like he like cost them the game because they could have very well lost to Croatia anyways, right? But it definitely played a part in the final scoreline because uh, they were they were wanted to punish him. And um, you I don't know if you could tell us, but because it didn't show up on some of the uh, uh, the live feeds, but it, it seemed like that they were celebrating right in front of John Herdman uh, after scoring a couple of the goals. That's what there were, some people were uh-huh. saying. I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't remember that. The 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 Croatia game. The fourth goal. I was. I had. I had already. Like I was. That was the game. That was the day. The one day where I did three games in one day. (laughs) So I only had an hour to get from Khalifa up to Al Bayat, which is like the furthest north, which is the most painful to get to. And so Vancouver to like Abbotsford or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, something like that, maybe a little bit less, maybe more like abs- like Vancouver to Langley. But the train's but, running. Well, the, but the the highway's a little bit wild. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, so I had so when uh, I think when the 90th minute came up, I started to walk, uh, like along the end, and so when that last goal went in, I was like closer to where where I had to meet the guy I was going with. Um, so I was like, I wasn't in my seat. I was like in the very, I was behind the Croatian goal when it went in. And, um, so I, I wasn't even watching where they celebrated. I was just like, oh, this is awful. And then I, I just waited there until the final whistle. And then I, 
like I got out of there right away. Um, which I kind of wish I'd, I mean, I'm glad I got to see, you know, most of the Germany Spain game that night at El Bayat, but, um, it, uh, I would have in retrospect, I, I would have been nicer to hang out, hang out, hang along, hang around longer at the end of the game. And, and that was even more so for the Morocco game. I really wish I didn't have to leave that to go watch Germany Costa Rica, but yeah, you mentioned there was a little bit of trouble at the end of the Moroccan game. Well, I, I right, saw in the right, Voyagers page as well that folk were saying that it was right from the beginning, man. Oh, because so, we're saying they're I mean, trying to get into the section, and well, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple things. This is ties ties into some other stuff. I know you want to talk about Michael, but um, uh, yeah. So there's a there's a long longer story to tell, I guess, but. So no, there there were like I was in a you know uh, a WhatsApp thing with a bunch of uh, I was in a couple different WhatsApp groups and one of them, you know they were like oh there's like fights in the Canada section with Moroccans, and I don't know I don't know what that means I don't know if that's verbal I don't know I don't think I don't I don't know I don't know what happened with that I didn't hear anything more about it later and yeah I heard that people were talking about it on the forum as well but um, the problem was again I, this for that game I was. We, my seats were next to the where the Canadian uh, families were, uh, the players' families, and so yeah, a couple things happened. One was they people who came in late, well, and again we'll talk about this more later. Is they they went there was an empty seat or two in that section, and so they just went into that section, and so like when the when the when the horrible first goal goes in, you have this one Moroccan Moroccan dude. On his phone, celebrating in front of all the Canadian players' families, and like really kind of like giving it to them. So we just went to the security and we're just like, "What are you guys doing? This can't, this can't happen. You need to get this guy out of here." So they got him out of here. And then at the end of the game, I went down. I went down to because I was like row, I don't know, H or something. So I went down to the front because I wanted to get a, you know a couple closer up uh, videos and pictures and whatever, and to and to take a picture. And and Mass came down with me for part of it. But what happened was because Morocco won, you had all these Moroccos trying to rush to the tunnel. And so they were trying to go through the aisles. And so I was standing on the front row and I was just like, you cannot go through here. And finally security came down and was like stopping. Like, so no one, I didn't let anyone go, go through because, and they were, there was um, some Moroccans who were not pleased with that. Uh, yeah. One, one guy said, one guy, he wanted to fight me because I said he couldn't go through. A couple of people were like, oh, you uh what did they say a couple people were like oh you you could say it nicer or whatever i was like me i said i said you can't go through this section this is me saying it nicely to you <laughs> like like it was just like and then security came down and was like stopping the like stopping them and whatever and then again i i this time i had two hours to get to the the germany game but it was still oh. far away um i was at that was at um el Thumama. i had to get back up to el bayet and um and uh so yeah unfortunately i wish i had stayed longer um this is this is the worst part i i i i left and then later i saw the video because after everyone had left and like most people had left the stadium or whatever um after the players had gone into, into the dress room uh, at some point later they came out which i knew they were going to come back out but alfonso came into the section because um, oh. his parent, his parents were almost like right across the aisle from me. They were like just in in the same row or in front of Sam's family, and um, so Alfonso comes out and I watched the video of it. And there, I could see in the background Massimo was like fighting off Moroccans. 
<laughs> like holding them back and like pushing them. I was like, dang, I could have that could I could have been there. I could have said hi to, to Fonzie as he went up the stairs to see his parents. Um, but um, but yeah, I had I had my own. I had my own. <laughs> yeah, my own we're going to talk later, about that in a, in a future part. <laughs> yeah, later. later. I, um, I, I mean, you've, clearly, Football Violence Awareness Month has oh, shaped you so much as to goodness. what you are as a football supporter now. Let, let's just, a couple of last things on Canada. What's yeah. your thoughts on John Herdman now? Is he the man to lead Canada into 2026? And do you think he will be the man? Um, I, I mean, I've always thought it would be best if he could. I, I, I haven't. I heard some things. I forget where some people were like, "Oh, maybe the the brotherhood wasn't as tight," and like I don't know. I, I can't remember where that was from. Maybe there was issues and blah blah blah. I still think uh, him and his team would be well suited to keep going. I think continuity is better than than change. Obviously, this the cycle is almost a half year shorter than a normal mm-hmm. one, um, and so I think they. I think it would be best for. Uh, our country for our chances for our players um if they stayed like if herdman stayed and and led the led the charge i think he's very experienced in you know these kind of tournaments he's now you know led the men through one he knows what it is to to, to he knows at least uh he has the experience of coaching the women at home in a world cup and so i i i hope he'll stay do i think he'll stay I mean, even before the tournament, there was, you know, talks of, you know, him being pursued for this job or that job or whatever. So I think he'll have options, but I kind of hope he stays for that and then pursues maybe club, you know, men's club football, you know, down the road after that or whatever. I, I just, I just wonder, has he maybe taken this group as far as he can? And it just needs a fresh voice in there. But I mean, the next couple of years will be telling because... Just to round this bit off, the next four years, or I guess three and a half years, really is is what we're looking at. You've got potentially two gold cups, which is a whole other thing as well. I still think that should be every four years, and it's just way too often. There's the very strong belief now that Canada will be part of Copa America, and in 2024, 2025... That's not official yet, though, right? It's not official, but yeah. it, it seems all but official. Yeah. And I think that's great, because John Herdman's come out and said, Look, they need to test themselves against tougher yes. nations, and the yes. Nations League's not going to do that. A lot of the Gold Cup is honestly not going to do that, and it's the same for the US and Mexico as well. Copa America will do that. You've also got the fact that John Herdman wants as many of the players to go and play in as top leagues over in Europe as he can. Which then, I I thought it was interesting, Jonathan Osorio this week made the comment when he re-signed for Toronto that basically he said someone has to stay in Canada and grow the game here. And if that is me, that is me. And he hopes to bring a European mentality to the domestic game. Mm. I don't know how that sits though with where John Herdman wants things to be. But the thing, there has to be a balance. You can't have just everybody go to Europe because not everybody's going to get playing time in Europe. That's well, my that as well, depending on what some club player, you go to, yeah. Some of the fringe national team players might have to stay here if they're not able to get playing time or come back to Canada so they can get playing time. Well, like Alistair I mean, Johnson's a great example because he may not be a starter at Celtic. Yeah, that's well, I, the issue. I was going to say... Go I was going to say the Richie Larea situation is an example yeah. too, right? Like. Yeah. 
yeah, you can't go and not play. You have to go to a lot. And so there's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's an interesting situation that they find themselves in because it's, um, they're, they're balancing, I think, two primary things. One, the financial benefits for your family, right? So if, if you're Richie Larea and you can go to a championship club, but you might not play every game, but you're going to get more money than if you went to whatever league one or Bundesliga two or a lower level Bundesliga team or whatever, there's that, the financial side of it. But then there is the professional development side of it where you want to be one playing and two playing at a level that's going to grow you and challenge you and, um, and that kind of stuff. So you're, you're right. I, I agree with you. I think it was Steve, you just said like, not everyone can go. Um, maybe not everyone can go to Europe and, like like yeah, the superstar players, like the Tayon Buchanan, he needs to move yeah. up a level from Belgium and, and that stuff. And maybe a player that we haven't heard of yet goes to Belgium and becomes that, like the level of Tayon Buchanan is. Maybe like a, uh, what's the, uh, uh, Marshall Ruddy or something like that from TFC? Uh, if he can oh, develop yeah. into something, and he can move into Europe, into that spot. So you need to move players up, at, but you, I don't think everybody, you can't just push everybody to Europe. No, that I, will cause a vacuum or something I, like that. But in a couple of things, though, I think the players really have to prove it, right? Like, I think Larea yeah. proved it, and Tejon Buchanan proved it in MLS. Like, exactly. And the other thing about say about Tejon Buchanan is, I think you, you um, yeah, maybe uh, hopefully one day he'll move beyond Club, Club Bruges. But I heard people saying, oh, you should move this winter. And I'm just like, they qualified for the knockout stages of the Champions League. Like, yeah, I wouldn't like, do that. You, you need to, he needs to, he needs to see that out, man. Like, yeah, for that's sure. an experience that, that you won't get maybe for a long time. And it could be harmful to move in midseason too, sometimes, like into, yeah. into the development. You need oh, to yeah. like, take your time and move in the summertime when you have more time to uh, uh, kind of weigh your options and see what position it is. Um, the one, uh, the part that, I would say, like, about the... I, w- I want to go back to Herdman a little bit. The thing is, with Herdman, yes, he can... De- I don't see him, like, leaving right now, but anything is possible in four years. Like, he, like we've seen with uh, the semifinalist Moroccan team that the guy took over in August. Yep. And he's got them to the semifinal. So this could be, like, a like a, in the last year or the two years down the road there where uh, there's a change. So right now, I don't see any problem. I, I see Herdman probably staying with his club just because of Canada's where they everybody thought they were going to do and kind of where they kind of slipped to um, yeah, but in the, the World Cup. He's one, of the things, now. one of the things with the Moroccan coach, though, right, is, uh, and we talked about this before the tournament, the, the thing was the previous coach, one of the issues was he had um, issues with his man- management or whatever, like where he had a relational breakdown with two of yeah. their most talented players in Zayic and Mizrahi, and yeah. I think maybe others. And so that them changing the coach allowed those some of their top end players to come back into the team and uh and i like i i like herdman but you know uh and i'm not saying that it was his fault but he's got had one issue currently uh with a player on the national team arfield and i'm not saying i I, a lot of people are saying it's arfield's fault but it has happened where a player that everybody considered one of their top players left the team basically and it, it, it obviously kind of was proven to be the right move for Canada, but it was a move where a top player left. So I'm not saying it's, yeah. it's possible, but you never know what's going to happen in two years. People get tired of the message sometimes. Like yeah, the, see like, that that's like her- that's what I'm thinking could be the case. I'm like I I genuinely think that unless John wants to step away, the job is probably his to 2026. Yeah, he for sure. I think so. But if say by 
end of 2024, he hasn't maybe taken that next step with the team and there's maybe been a bit of regression and there's a feeling that he's maybe not getting the best out of the players, then I do feel the question needs to be asked, has he taken them as far as the message in its way? Copa America's in 2024? Yeah. Yep. What if they crash out, completely crash out in Copa America? Then at that point, you might have to think, you know, you got two years to build to this World Cup. Because that's a good test for them. That's that's the the test that you're going to be having in two years after that at the, the World Cup. So all very, very valid. So that is it for our chat about Canada. And Zach's thoughts, just wanted to get that because you've obviously heard Steve and my thoughts and we've not had Zach on for the, the last couple of weeks. We're going to get some of his thoughts now in the next two parts, just about some of the other things that he saw over at the tournament, logistics, the stadiums, merchandise. And we're going to be back with the first of those chats after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Talk about the right way to live. Shut up, you don't know what you're on about. You voted for him, look at you, you dirty rat. People talk about the right way to live. Shut up, you don't know what you're on about. You voted for him, look at you, you dirty rat. Blaming everyone in the hospitals. Blaming everyone at the bottom of the English Channel. Blaming everyone who doesn't look like a fried animal. This is espionage, and you're the self-saboteur. This is espionage, and you're the self-saboteur. This is espionage, and you're the self-saboteur. This is espionage. The resin-coated dead egg of nowhere The balance on the scales and the bag of fucking lies Is only equal in my lifetime
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. And kicking off this part is number nine in AFTN's Festive 15 for 2022. That was Orbital and Sleaford Mods. Dirty Rat, a single released in October. It's going to be in Orbital's 10th studio album, Optical Delusion. That's getting released in February. Orbital, a big dance band that's been going since the late 80s, really were quite big, headlined Glastonbury one year as well in the mid-90s, and that song's got that 90s dance techno beat to it, featuring former Artist of the Month Sleaford Mods as well. Really enjoyed that one, Dirty Rat. We're going to be chatting in this next two parts about Zach's experiences in, in Qatar. I, I would imagine you didn't see many rats over there. It seems a very clean country. Everything that you've seen... In all the broadcast, there's no litter, there's nothing. It just seems they've been meticulous in getting everything off the streets. And that probably includes protesters as well, I'd imagine. <laughs> we'll get to protesters later. When you, when you go to a World Cup and then you watch stuff you know, from it on TV, it's it's really, really different. I, I remember in 2006, I, I kind of did the opposite where we watched the, the very beginning at home and then we were there for like the final three weeks oh, of it. Oh, right. And so... It's just, yeah, because when I went in 94, I went for the group stages and then we flew back and it was weird then being yeah. home watching it. It is very yeah. weird. It's very different. You know, obviously it's always different, you know, being in the stadium versus watching on TV. Um, but no, I mean, um, I wondered that about actually about rodents and stuff. But there were a couple of places where you did you did see those little you know, black boxes outside of places, you know, in case there were any. <laughs> um, I've got them all over my townhouse complex here, so... <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know if we talked well, about this. Show. I had a mouse problem two two years ago in the house here because they'd done some work in the place underneath, and mice had got in and got up. And initially, I was catching and releasing them and driving like twenty minutes to release them, so I didn't want to kill them. After you've done that ten times, the black box has come in very handy. <laughs> um, you. You have to be more careful with the crumbs from your chocolate digestives. That may have led to it. Don't leave them out. Like, I don't remember nibbling that many of the packet. Um, but no, it, in, I mean it's a clean. It's very yeah, very clean place in general, totally. But um, there's there's a, a lot of construction going on all over the place. Like um, there's a few. And there's like, probably going to be a lot of deconstruction as well from a lot of these stadiums as well. A, yeah well yeah the time on, on that is kind of we'll wait and see i think because uh i was talking i was talking to a friend of the show simon fudge about that um and how they might use them at other tournaments first and um oh. you know what and what parts are being taken excuse me taken apart and how and when and that that's think- good actually because that you don't want white elephants because I, I went to greece year two years after they had the olympics oh yeah and the amount of things that were just sitting in ruins and it was just so sad to see yeah well yeah. Greece is used to having ruins right? oh, that's very true <laughs> oh yeah actually brazil... i was at, i was at olympia that's what i'm thinking about it wasn't athens <laughs> but brazil has has that too right in some of their stadiums that were never used to get well, is the, yeah. that, that one that is like a bus depot or whatever yeah yeah that is um, always sad to see that's a good thing that we're yeah. going to have here in 2026 at least the stadiums already exist yeah so no, I mean yeah, Qatar in general though you're right is very very clean place like the metro and stuff like I'm br- I mean it's brand new but it's very 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 clean. <laughs> so, Except for the sand. Yeah, no, there's, no, there's like no sand, man. The sand is all 
in the desert. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's very little. I was worried about it. I thought, oh, I'm going to have sand in my shoes every day or like whatever. No, like very little, very so, little issues. How would you how would you sum up your whole experience over there? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Qatar World Cup is a is a weird thing, right? Like, whatever got announced. What like twelve? Is it twelve years ago now? It was twenty ten? It got it got the the was that was that twenty ten? I think it was twenty ten. Um, so it, it, I mean, the Qatar World Cup has been this kind of thing that, I mean, the Russia World Cup had its detractors, right? <laughs> Um, the Qatar World Cup obviously has had had far more detractors uh, for you know the human rights issues and the the labor stuff and the LGBTQ you know rights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think uh, you know having gone in two thousand six um, was you know a, a, like a dream because it was in Germany and it was kind of like essentially my wife and I it was like our honeymoon. We didn't really go on a real honeymoon when we got married in 2002. <clears throat> uh, we just saved up for that. And um, I remember saying to my wife at the time, hey, um, I, I, I promise you I won't I won't go to another World Cup until Canada is in it. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so we've been excited and planning towards 2026, obviously. And then um, last year when things started to go well and the qualification process i was able well i was able first off to go to the last four home qualifiers two in edmonton one in hamilton and then the the the, the clincher in in toronto which was amazing and all along i was just like I, you know i want to i want to be there i want to be there to to see it i want to be there to support canada and my wife is you know very very supportive all along and and obviously i have you know friends i was going to travel with and all that kind of stuff and um and so, is, is okay if I just tell a little bit of story? Of, of yeah, because okay. we've had a lot of questions yeah, yeah. about your trip and like yeah. how you got there so, and stuff. So, yeah, let's yeah. get into it. So, yeah, I always planned to go and always had, and there's some people I was going to be going with and whatever. And then I, I had some issues. I had some, some issues around ticketing, which led to issues around accommodations, because if you know the process, those are linked. And um, because because of that, it was yeah, it was just it was very 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 frustrating to the point where, um, the the, the you know the person I was going to go with was we were kind of like there's a chance this might not happen, <laughs> right? Like, um, uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, but there were obviously always hope. There's always hope, right, Michael? I'm a, I'm a hopeful fellow, right? There's still time. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's what you kept telling us. Exactly. So, anyways, uh, one day in middle middle-ish, was it middle middle October? Yeah, I, I think was, that was when you kind of mentioned you might yeah, be going. Yeah. So, uh, middle middle sometime in October, I got I, I was searching my junk mail on my primary uh, email account um, because I was looking for something that I thought was supposed to come to me and it hadn't come to me. And as I was searching through uh, my emails, there was this email from this person who's I never met before, but I knew their name. And it was one of those emails with like, a, you know, like the exclamation mark, like mm -hmm. this is important. And so I opened the email and I read it and I was just like, I got to read this again. <laughs> I had to read the email like three times for it to be like, this, th this doesn't sound right. So I got this email from this guy named Lee Cormish. Um, 
So Lee Cormish is this dude who's, I don't know, gone to the last five, six World Cups, whatever. He's from Saskatoon. And he's like, you know, has like a YouTube channel and he talks about his trips and blah, 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 whatever. Anyways, uh, over, I don't know, a year ago or so, as the the Qataris, like the, the as hosts right there, one is they want to portray their country uh, in a good light, obviously. But they also like they wanted to be able to express, I think, um, how they as a people are like very hospitable, right? Like hospitality is a big part of their of their culture, right? Um, and we, we saw glimpses of that when we were there as, as there was Qataris who like invited us into their homes to like get to know the culture and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so they, they wanted to, uh, they, they, this started, they developed this program where they had a fan leader from all the countries that either had qualified or were maybe going to qualify or whatever. Um, and so this guy Lee became this like fan leader for Canada. And so he he had meetings with them and all the stuff. I think he went to the Arab cup uh, last year to see some of the stadiums and, and whatever. And then at some point um, along the way, they decided um, in wanting to, in their fan engagement kind of circles or whatever, uh, the part of the the Supreme council that, you know, is, is essentially it's like the local organizing committee. So the local or- organizing committee said, Hey, we, we want to have uh, representatives from all the hosts, or from all the participating nations at the opening match, because there's some stuff we want to do. And we, we would like to have like some actual fans from the actual countries. And um, I think they knew that that wasn't going to happen, you know, in and of itself, you know, partly because of, you know, the travel and the expenses. And, you know, if you're coming to see your country, you might come like the day or two before they play, but you might not be there for the opening. Plus they also, I think this might've been even after, they moved the opening game. I don't know if you remember that. They switched the opening game was supposed to be a day earlier. Yeah, because it was they wanted it to be standalone. Yeah. Yeah. And so they had some issues. They had people had issues with that, you know, because of their accommodations and flights and whatever. Anyway, so they started this. They 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 took these fan leaders they had from around from around the globe, from these the the, the participating countries, and they told them all, look, we what we want is we want like fifty we want fifty fans from each country to to be a part of the 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 first match and a part of the opening ceremonies so they said we want you to like we want you to uh have people from your country walk through this application process and uh and we will fly them here we'll put them up in accommodations we'll give them a match ticket for the opening game because we want them to be a part of this opening ceremonies so that's what this email said to me essentially like hey there's this opportunity you you've been uh, invited to apply for this or whatever and so I was like, this just sounds crazy. So, uh, one in the well, it's like one of those things. It's like if it's too good to be true, yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. is it a scam? It, yeah, right? yeah. So in the email, Lee had sent, you know, sent his 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 cell number and said, if you have any questions, call me or text me. So I actually, even before I messaged him, I messaged you know a couple Canadians who I thought would know about it. Uh, you know, some people involved in the supporter community. And then I, I also messaged Simon <laughs> and said, hey, do you know about this thing? And and I think I didn't call it by its right name. And Simon's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but then some of the people in the supporter community said, yeah, this I've, I've heard of this thing. It's It sounds it sounds crazy. But yeah, this is sounds it's legit. And so and then I, I messaged this guy, Lee, and I said, hey, like, <laughs> I just had a, I forget what the first few questions I had for him were, but. Um, so I, I messaged him and he said, yeah, uh, you know, and, and the thing was, this thing was in my junk box. So like I opened this email and it was like, you have to apply by like whatever the date was. And I opened it like the day before. 
or whatever. Like I had like no time to whatever. So I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to apply and see what happens with this. So I applied and then you have to, I had to wait a week or two or whatever it was. So that's why when the podcast, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I don't, I think I'm now confirmed that I'm going anyway. So, um, so yeah, this, uh, th I got an email from the, um, the fan engagement part of the, the Supreme council, the local organizing committee. And they were like, yeah, you've been accepted to be a part of this. You can fill out some more forms and, you know, so we can, you know, for flights, like what dates and whatever. And they, and they wanted people, they wanted people originally that like, if you were going to be a part of this, you needed to be willing to be there for like two weeks, which was fine for me. Cause I was planning on going for three weeks anyways. Cause my goal, as you guys know, was ideally to see Canada, Germany play in the round of 16. Cause I've been to all the other times that Canada and Germany have played at the full men's level. And, um, so what, was there a reason that you had to be there for the two weeks? Well, no, they, they, no, they didn't No, They didn't know. So the, so later on, obviously things came out in the media about, yeah. this, about this program. And like, I'm not a big, like fake news kind of person. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've dealt with, uh, media stuff before where the media has, uh, more so ignorantly mis, uh, misrelayed the truth. Right. And you and I have talked about that before, mm -hmm. Michael. Um, but um, but some of the these reports, the one out of Holland, and that definitely the one from the New York Times, were like totally like mis uh, portraying the tr like some of the important important things. Uh, they, yeah, because for for anyone that isn't sure what we're talking about, there was a series of articles. I think the Guardian did one as well, basically saying that these fans had to then promote. Qatar through their social yeah. media they had to report misdoings that they'd seen basically spying on their fans be peacekeepers etc etc but because when you told me oh this is how I've got here and I was like oh so have you seen all these articles is this what you have to do and you're like no not at all yeah so so those articles came out and I was like well, what like what is this <laughs> So we, you know, everyone, every, like I, so I messaged with with Lee Cormish and just said, "Hey, like, what what's all this about? Like, because there was things we had, like, there was, you know, like with anything, there's like, this is what it involves. You have to read all these things, or whatever. There was nothing, nothing about any of that stuff and any of the stuff that I had been given. So right away, I was like, this isn't right. And Lee's like, yeah, this is not true. And then the so then the or, the local organizers emailed everyone who was involved and said, hey, uh, you might have seen these <laughs> these reports in the media." We just want to reaffirm with you that this is not true. We're not asking you to spy on any fans. We're not asking you to speak well about the tournament. We're not asking you to do like what, do whatever you want. But we want you here for the like. I mean, the reason is we're there for this opening ceremony thing. So yeah, so that was kind of that was kind of weird or whatever. Um, and then literally, yeah, the only the only thing we needed to do was like go go to that game. And so that was where things were a little bit weird because we were like, okay, they're like there's going to be a, ch a Canadian chant. And then later we found out there's going to be the Ua Canada chant or whatever. So I was like, okay. And they're like, they're like, yeah, we just want you to chant it in the opening ceremonies. And then later they said, okay, the Canada chant is after the Tunisia chant and it's at this minute and whatever. And so we were like, okay. And so, but it was we weird because I watched bits of the opening ceremony trying to see and it was like, I don't understand yeah. what all this is about. <laughs> so, yeah. So when we got to the stadium... Well, first off, I was just like, how is this going to work? Like, this doesn't, there's no rehearsal. And like, I was like, this is not going to work well. And then we were even told it's going to be like 15 seconds or something. Like, it's going to be like really short. Like, it's going to be, you know, whatever. So we got to the stadium. Our seats were, 
so we had the one thing is we had to go we had to go the day by the day before or no even by the day of you had to go pick up your ticket for the game it was our, a physical ticket which was kind of nice as opposed to the digital ones which oh was, yeah like for me as a collector that would be yeah. the, a dream to have an actual well, physical ticket we'll talk about ticketing later yeah uh, but so you had to go pick up your ticket um and so when we got to the stadium arts our, our seats they were like category one seats but so that meant so <laughs> category one sounds nice but it doesn't always mean that it's nice category we were category one so we were right at midfield but my my ticket was like in the second last row at the upper deck yeah because <laughs> i saw your photos and i was like so, actually a lot of your photos you are very up high in these stadiums yes except for a few games so um, the my Germany game, my seats were really great. So we're up there, and I'm just like, "How is this?" I was like, "I was like, I was like, this doesn't add up." So anyway, I was like, "There's no way." And the, like, we're in the dark. Like, we're like under the roof. Like, there's I'm like, because we always thought, okay, they're gonna like show us singing or whatever, right? Like that's what it made it sound like. But anyways, that's what I was expecting to see. <laughs> exactly. But the thing was, so the thing, so it wasn't us singing. It was just a recording. So there was a recording of all these different chants, and it was a part of the opening ceremonies. And they only put, they only showed a like, maybe not even like a maybe a quarter of the nations. And you could see they went on their fans in the stadiums, and they were all they weren't. It wasn't like we were all together. It was like they were all over the stadium in different spots. And so the ones that they put lower or in better lighting, they showed them kind of when that fifteen seconds was happening. So for ours, like it was like it was like over. So it was it was kind of just really weird. It was just like okay, that's why we were here. And okay, so um. Yeah, it, it was what it was. Now I know. So it, it was over in fifteen seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it was over very quickly. The title of my sex tape. <laughs> so I know. So I know. Look, I know that some people are against the tournament being in Qatar. Period. Yeah, because you will get folk that will say, "Also, oh, you took money from the Qatari government." Yeah, yeah, and so I, yeah, I, I understand that people. Some people will not like that, or some people will be like, "Why did you get? Why did you get this opportunity and others didn't, or whatever." Um, I, 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 like, yeah, I, I, I got nominated, you know, whatever. Um, and I mean, so, you have been heavily involved in supporter culture. It's like, yeah, I, oh. I, I mean, there's a couple of other folk I know that got to go that I'm like, I have no idea how no, the hell they got to go, but well, that, oh, just, I will uh, so not I'll name just, names. I'll just give clarity to that. Okay. So yeah. So this, the, the Canadian delegation, which I think there was only like 40 of us, I think. Because there was some cancellations or something, wasn't there? Well, yeah, there were some cancellations. At least one of them got filled. Um, but um, like, yeah, some people, like some, some one of the one of the people who you would you would know, um, they got a new job and so they couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Um, another person had visa issues or whatever, or pat sorry passport issues. Um, but no, um, it was it was a little bit weird. So I heard I heard about this thing and I whatever i knew i talked to some people in the supporter community and this guy lee and whatever but then when i was initially i was added to like a whatsapp group of, of people who were going and you just kind of thought like hey it's a canada delegation so it'd be kind of like spread out across the <laughs> across the country um but it wasn't like that at all it was very uh heavily um Central centered at, so no yeah but the, not the center of the universe you would think, Steve. Oh, okay. It was. It was. Uh, there was a lot of three hundred six numbers in the in the in the in that chat. You, you need to explain what that is because I don't know what that is. Three, <laughs> I don't recall three hundred six area code either. Three hundred six. Well, I know it because I lived there for four years. It, it's Saskatchewan. 
Oh, so oh but of course, Lee comes from Lee is from Saskatchewan. Yeah, and so like the delegation was all like right. almost, let's say, roughly seventy-five percent Saskatchewan. I mean, so, I, I I've got to say the thing that rubs me up with this is him being called fan leader, because if I think of a fan leader in Canada, I think of like Jamie from the Voyagers. Right. Yeah. I think I think they may may have got him because if you're saying that he's done YouTube videos oh, about yeah. like totally. so he's, oh yeah, yeah, that's what social they media wise yeah. he. Yeah, he's got and, social and, media presence. And let me let me say, Lee is a very Lee is a very nice oh, guy. Yeah, I don't I don't know like, him from Adam. I'm not criticizing him. It's just I don't like that term fan leader. That, yeah. It, that's just Well, it's it, yeah. <laughs> there's a few So anyways, I know there's some people who don't like the term music guitar. I know some people will be uh upset or disappointed or not like the fact that my accommodation and flight were were were, were paid for to be a part of this program. But everything whatever. else you paid and, for out of your own pocket. Let's stress that as well uh yeah well yeah so there was um one of the, one of the articles or whatever so this is one other one other part of the story so a few weeks before they sent us another email the or, local organizers and this is this was actually i think where some of the more secondary and tertiary articles came out about this program um was uh they sent um they sent an email to everyone and they said Hey, we want to. Um, uh, you're going to be here for the, the two weeks or longer. We want to help cover some of your food costs while you're here, and some laundry and some incidentals. So they're like, we know you're going to have incidental costs. And again, this is. I, I, there's two ways to see this. There's you know the, the sinister way to see it, but I, I really think it was an expression of the hospitality of of their culture. Um, and you so would like, say that Zach is a a person of the Qatari state now. Oh my, not exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, so they they said, hey, we're, we want to provide we want to provide some. So we're going to give you a visa card, and we're going to put um, two hundred fifty Qatari dollars, which is like that's what a like a category three ticket is. So like ninety to hundred Canadian dollars. We're going to put that on there so you can buy food and whatever. Okay. So that's that's I think when the articles from some of these yeah. places they said you're going to be paid to be paid there. fans and stuff. Paid yeah. fans, right? So then, so again, they again they had sent this email saying, you know, we we don't think these media reports are wrong. So the the New York Times article that you might have also seen the tweet from the guy from from the states, mm -hmm. where he said, "I told the New York Times all this information, and they chose to ignore it yes. in their in their article." Now the Americans, a bunch of them, pulled out of the delegation after after the, these articles and stuff. So their their delegation, I think, was smaller. Oh. Than even than even Canada's. And Canada's again was I think smaller than it was supposed to be. But yeah, so this happened. So then what happened was two days before the two days before we were supposed to fly, two days before I was supposed to fly, we got another email uh, from from the the organizing committee, and they said, hey, because of all these erroneous media reports, we are not going to give you this visa card now, which was well, whatever. It is, it is what it is. A lot of people were a little bit frustrated because a lot of people had like bought more match tickets because they're like, well, I have my food covered, so I'm going to buy more match tickets. Oh. Um, so it was a little bit of an issue. So in the in the end, one thing that they did do was the they provided um, they provided some like uh, there's these vouchers for food at the fan fest. Um, so it was like one food item and one Coke or water kind of kind of thing at the fan fest. And they provided like a dozen of those for 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 people who were in the in the program. But I, I, I can see is, how it I, looked I, I do, to the outside, though, that it was they were paying fans to go over. 
Yeah, and I, do, I do think I do think it's more than what Canada used to pay the players uh, for meals as well back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Probably might be when they were on the national team. But I mean, I I'll, I'll be totally honest here. If someone had offered me a trip like that, I'd have taken it. And maybe that says stuff about me. I am Scottish. Yeah. I would take anything that's free that's going. I, my, it was the, it was the heat that would have put me off, but we'll come to well, that this, in a sec. But. I will say, Michael, along those lines, my my wife was very pleased when I told her that hey, um, that I, I I wouldn't have to play for the fly or to stay there. She was um, it yeah. made her feel better about the trip. Yes, I would have certainly made mine feel a lot better. La- last thing I want to ask you then in this part, and then we'll cover a lot more of this stuff in the next part. But what was the accommodation like in general? Because obviously there was a number of different accommodations and yeah. i saw some horrendous videos at the start where things weren't even finished yet and then of course there was the tents on the beach which did they ever happen because i never actually saw anything about the tents on the beach i only visited the one fan village and i could tell you stories about that later but um because the no, fan village was that was the port of cabin things wasn't it yeah was it? yeah and i know there's the cruise ship as well which would have been the nice way to go but I, that believes yeah. that was very expensive yeah and the cruise ship was definitely something actually we you know i was looking at staying in it was definitely an option I'm, although in the end i'm glad i didn't stay there because they were a little bit out of the way oh um, where they, so you where might they not have been able to get around as well except for yeah. except for except for games at the 974 stadium they were kind of out of the way um so so we were all yeah I was, uh, you know we, we didn't know about our accommodations were until i think like a, a day or two before we left like so we we didn't know there were some people who said, um, you know, as I was in this WhatsApp group of people, they're like, hey, they've heard from you know, other countries around the world that, that were a part of this, that it was going to be either a, a hotel or an apartment. And so in the end, we stayed in, in an apartment. Um, and so they sent us a picture. And at first you see the picture and you're like, uh, OK, because um, it just is like the gate into this kind of it's like a gated community and um so we stayed and but the, in the end they were it was really it was quite nice so it was like a, a on a in each apartment there was three rooms and one one room had a whatever queen bed and the other rooms had two single beds or whatever so there was like five people in, in each room and so i got to stay with i got to stay with in each apartment um, sorry in each apartment sorry each apartment there yeah. Was five. yeah so so we got i got to stay with like you know two people i knew really well and beforehand and then two dudes who like he knew really well by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, two dudes from Saskatchewan who I had some things in common with and some, you know, uh, had some rivalries with schools that they went to when I was going to school in Saskatchewan and stuff. So, oh, wow. Um, so that was kind of, that was kind of good. And they were just really, really nice, nice dudes. But what was the heat like in general? And what was the heat like in the accommodations? Because I've heard a lot of stuff. Like you've told us stuff and other journalists and people yeah. that's been there said, like, we touched on that at the start. Like the air conditioning has been cranked up in some places, so that there was a few times you were like, "It's freezing here." Yeah. So the heat, yeah, you like when you get off the plane, like you feel it, you know, and it's humid, it's humid and stuff, and you're sweating, whatever. But honestly, like, I one is I was hardly ever up in the morning, like, and, and like I went to a few one o'clock games, like like two, two one o'clock games, like one o'clock afternoon games, but usually like i wasn't out in the sun a lot mm. and so it wasn't yeah because you don't have a tan you're not burnt i'm quite uh, impressed well i wore a I, anytime i went outside in the, in the sun uh and the sun kind of went down almost at like four o'clock anyways so if you went to the four o'clock game i would like wear a hat to the game and then by the, i would take it off in the stadium and i wouldn't wear it to, you know going home mm. but um 
so I wore a bucket hat when I was outside, and then most of the days I'd put on sunscreen on my arms, but like I never, yeah, never got burned, never anything. So it was warm, yeah. And like, okay, I mean, you'd be, I mean, uh, I show you pictures of my feet, man. My feet were oh, like, you're okay, yeah, it's not that kind of shoe. You I can probably so make much, some money on that, though. I did so much walking, like you know, everyone who went to games, you did so much walking. So my feet were always so sore, but I remember like you'd be at night and you'd be walking around and it's like not hot out. You'd be like, why am I sweating? And you're like, oh yeah, because I'm in I'm in Doha and in, in the desert or whatever. But so it wasn't like, I don't know, the heat was not an issue in my opinion. Unless the only time it was an issue was that the first one o'clock game I went to, I was by myself. I was actually with a, a group of other Canadian guys who I'd bought a, a ticket from them on uh uh on the voyagers facebook page they had a, a person who couldn't come and they were selling that that person's tickets and so i went with them and the start of the game our seats we were in the upper deck but our, we were at the el Janoub, the most southern stadium and our seats weren't in the sun but as the half went on our seats moved oh. in we were in the sun and i was like okay it was great to meet you guys i cannot stay here for the second half um and otherwise i'm gonna melt um, and so I moved to another open part of this, like there were, I found a seat in another part of the stadium that was covered actually. And I hung out with, um, Jeff's, uh, Jeff spills, um, Salisbury. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff from, from Saskatoon, who was not a part of the delegation. Okay. I was going to say, from everyone from Sask there was no one left in Saskatoon no, by the signs of he, it. He was, uh, he was there. So I hung out with him in another part of the stadium and we met, uh, there was a player there from, I met him on the concourse and he was talking to a player who had played for the Atlanta Silverbacks. Um, oh. and it was just a weird thing. I was like, how did you meet him? He's like, I just started talking to him and he said, he played for the Silverback. He worked for some football company. So that's why he was at the tournament. But so that was the yeah, only day. You sent, you sent, you sent us pictures of players, random players, and I still don't know who some of them are. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. Well, there's one really great random moment. I'll tell you about later, but, um, yeah, I look forward to the state... bumpers that you got recorded. For I, I didn't get any bumpers. I know you didn't. That's why I've mentioned it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I barely got a picture with the, the the most interesting person I met. No, okay. So, but in the apartments to keep it cool, yeah, I was in a, in my apartment. They, they every night they jacked the air conditioning, and so you, you uh, either you come home and it's like jacked and people are sleeping, or you go to bed and you wake mm. up and it's freezing and whatever. Because so, a lot of folk uh, have had colds and stuff, and then the French totally. team going in at the final, players have come down yes. with colds, and it's like... Everyone. So everyone started to have these, like a cough or like a... I remember I was hanging with this one dude who... I, a great dude, but I started hanging with him the whole day. He was like... And I was like, I got to stay I, I got to stay away from him. He might just I do be not a want coke to... addict. Well, yeah, that's what I was um, thinking. I, I spent enough time with him that I knew he wasn't. <laughs> but um, so, no, but the one thing... So then in the stadiums, yeah. Um, some stadiums they were like the older like Khalifa they were they had these like air conditioned things where you couldn't really feel it but the newer stadiums they had the air conditioning like right under your seat and if like especially if there was like not someone behind you you had it blowing on your feet and on, on you it was freezing and it wasn't even all of them because at one point um, uh, Max and I were with my buddy Holger we were at um, Japan Croatia and we were freezing but like four seats over with the same vent below them the vent was like shut off and it was like it was fine it was wow. just really weird so we were like we were like hey security like can you turn down the ac <laughs> and whatever they, they, yeah it was it was um yeah so yeah there was like at least three games where i was like i should have brought a hoodie i should have just carried a hoodie with me because yeah i guess you're not expecting that and folk wouldn't be packed no. right i mean i i would i i mean i've come down with a bloody cold here so, i'm pretty sure i would have come down with something so, worse over there 
So the other thing I'll I'll say too, and this is ties into one of the more serious things for the tournament is the whole the whole um, becoming sick Grant Wall's Grant Wall story. I can totally understand. Like I I I wasn't working. I wasn't you know having to write reports. I wasn't doing anything. There were a few nights though where I was doing work for work. I was doing you know uh, administrative work or posting stuff. And so there were a couple nights where yeah, I stayed up to like four or five in the morning. And then you wake up at 10, 10, 11, whatever you, cause you gotta be at a game at one o'clock and you need time to, <laughs> you need time to get there. And it was, I know this is going to sound like, you know, first world problems, whatever, but it was exhausting. Like you were like, you were so, so tired. And so you had that, you had the air conditioning and you had people. Yeah. People even in my apartment, but people in the building I was staying in both people I knew and didn't know, like you could tell, yeah, they were getting colds. They were getting, they were coughing they were like whatever and you're just like everyone was just kind of like it was like a, it was a, a, a weird kind of grind like every day you were like so tired so days were like like because i i went to i went to a lot of i went to a lot of games yeah we'll cover so, that in the next part <laughs> so, so it was like it was like every day i was going to at least one game and a, and a bunch of days two games and it, it was it was kind of exhausting i can't imagine Someone like Grant, I, sorry, I can't imagine someone like Grant Ward, sorry, Grant Wall, who is like going to two games, reporting on them, going home, writing more, and like only sleeping five hours and and becoming ill, like not feeling well and, mm. and you know, whatever. Uh, obviously, the autopsy has come out and it, you know, I heard you guys talk about it on the last show. Yeah, and it's, whatever, it's, but, it's, it's, it was an embolism in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the the whole bronchitis thing, I can totally understand why he would. Yeah, like he would I sort of I, I have asthma myself, and uh, that's the thing that we were mentioning that whenever it's really hot in BC or Vancouver, I we have to have the air conditioning on because it's super hot. But I stay in the air conditioning. I don't move from cold to hot, hot to cold. I don't. I stay in one location. So that way, I'm not moving around too much. Otherwise, it, I will get that sore throat it, you're talking about in cold. Uh, and I don't know what it was for the media members in general, but the other time where I moved in the in the stadium, we were at Portugal, South Korea, and it was our first, second time, my second time going to the education stadium, and we we were like, um, whenever you're in a stadium and you're like surrounded by people and you knew there was empty seats, you're like, oh, let's go find some better seats. So yeah. at the half, I said, I said to Mass, I said, hey, let's look that whole block over there next to the media, it's it's open the upper part of it's open and it's a better view than where we were in the end. Let's, let's go over there. So he's like, yeah, okay. And we go over and then we ran into, <laughs> we ran into Jamie McLeod. He was watching from somewhere else in the stadium. So we all go up in there and we go into this empty block, which was right next to the media. And that whole block was like an ice cube. It was, it was one of the, it was freezing. So mass ended up going to the top where he could stand up and like not have the thing blowing on him. And, and Jamie and I could kind of just gritted it out for 90 minutes because we didn't want to go back Jeez. to where we were before. But it, it was, again, it was right next to where the media were. So I wonder. Yeah, oh, I, I, I could assume that the media area was air conditioned. Yeah. And that's probably the head of each part. I genuinely thought, think I'd have struggled in that. Uh, going from hot to cold, hot, cold to hot is worse than just staying in one temperature yeah. for sure. But let's bring this part to an end. That's some of Zach's tales from Qatar. We're going to talk about some more things. We'll be back with that after the next song, number eight in AFTN's Festive 15. I am Joel Waterman and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
through a portal It's got eyes on a mastery of gravity I'm lucky to be here now, I was lonely Talk to me, talk to me Got a new perspective The glass in my hand, it ain't exactly full The place in my table is an empty stool Talk to me, talk to me Thank you. 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's number eight in AFTN's 2022 Festive 15. From Glasgow, Scotland, Bell and Sebastian, a band that Zach likes as well. That is a song taken from their 11th studio album that came out in February this year, Talk To Me, Talk To Me. For me, the best track on the album by A Country Mile. The album's called A Bit of Previous, so I was kind of hoping it was going to really get back to their early days, their first couple of albums, which are absolutely tremendous, but I was a bit disappointed by the album, I have to say. This is the standout track by far. This is very much early Bell and Sebastian. Also has a very good video, which has a bit of a football theme running in it as well, so check that out on YouTube. I know nothing of their modern stuff. I just had some uh, roommates from back in the day in college who like love them. So I've been to at least one show with them and enjoyed the show. It was at the Orpheum with like a 12 piece orchestra or something. Yeah. Their last album was good. It was a a soundtrack for the Days of the Bagnold Summer, a comic book adaptation that had been turned into a film. I loved that album. And then I was really excited for this and I was a bit disappointed, but that track, Talk To Me, Talk To Me, great track from them. It's number eight in our festive 15. So we're going to just talk a little bit more about the World Cup in Qatar in this part and Zach's experiences there. I want to talk about some more logistics and like getting around because you did manage to get to multiple games some days. And before the tournament, a lot of folk had talked about, oh, it's a World Cup that you can pretty much get all over the place. But then hearing some of your tales, it didn't seem that easy and the stadiums did seem a bit further apart than than I was expecting. But remember, I did think Thunder Bay was pretty close to Toronto. Yeah. You'll never have a World Cup again like this unless, like, they put a World Cup in London. Like, you have a World right. Cup in London and it would right, be like right. this. Um, I, I d- d- well, the next World Cup's certainly going to be very spread over. Yeah, exactly. It's quite the opposite. So, um, well, first off, FIFA wouldn't sell you tickets. In, like, if you were buying tickets from directly from FIFA... They wouldn't sell you tickets the more than two, like on the when there was four matches on a day at the four different, you know, the four different time slots, one, four, seven, and ten local time. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't sell you tickets to back-to-back games. You could have like someone oh, else, wow. buy, buy, someone else could buy you one and like send it to you, and it was no problem. That's why I had three, three. Uh, I could go to three games in one day, but um, so you could do like one and three, or you could do two and four. Yeah, right. yeah. So one, one o'clock and seven o'clock, or four o'clock and 10 o'clock mm. so um getting around like the the setup for the to get to the stadiums was, was was good like you could basically take metro directly to i think five of the five out of the eight stadiums like right directly the metro goes right there you get off and you walk a little bit and whatever the other there was two more where you had a short shuttle um from the metro to the stadium and then you had the last one, the Al Bayet, where the opening game was, um, where you had like a 25-minute shuttle, like a longer shuttle from the Metro. So you would take the Metro up to Lucille, the new city they built where the, the final is being held uh, or where was held. And um, you take a 25-minute bus uh, bus up to Al, Al Bayet, to, which is in Alcor. And so it was all good. The problem was, though, Michael, is like it's... Um, None of these things like take you right there. It's not like it's not like being dropped. Let's let me put it contextually, you know, for the locals here. It's not like being dropped off at 
Terry Fox Plaza, and then you have a little right. way to get into the stadium. Or, no, or right? not even like Stadium Skytrain, I guess. Yeah, it's very much like uh, in Vancouver sense. It, it'd be like it'd be like, I guess, almost like it's being full. dropped dropped off at the what's the Science World, yeah, and then cool. having and then having to walk, but then also That's in the not walk. Far. <laughs> No, well, maybe even further than that, maybe. But but the problem is, Michael, it's not a straight walk. You're not walking in a straight line. It's constant switchbacks in these lines to like keep the flow oh, of traffic. Oh, right. Stuff. So it was like all kind of yeah, and then you get into, off and, and like, you dis- get into, like Disneyland. Yeah, and then you get into a line to go through security, and it's about ten thousand switchbacks. Oh. Um, and then at security, security was mostly good, except for. Again, they were like wanted to see everything you were bringing into the stadium, and it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to a Canada game later, and I have a Canada, you know, a banner I want to hang at a Canada game, and you have to explain it whatever all the time, and so it slows oh, you down. Wow. And yeah, like security could be quite slow and and difficult, and yeah, and then sometimes even if you wanted to like Uber, so the one thing, one of the one of the there's a few things that were much cheaper, you know, uh, over there. Like Uber is crazy cheap in general. Like, from the the, the we stayed actually the, the first apartment we stayed in was like ten minute less than ten minute drive to Khalifa Stadium, um, and it was like in a downtime and non match time it was like eleven reals, which is like three dollars or something, and so you could take that right to the metro or you could take a bus. There was also a bus, but the bus wasn't always super reliable, especially on being, um, being picked up outside of our place. But, um, so it just took time. Like you couldn't be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to arrive like half an hour. I'm going to, and then do all the walking and get through all the security and be in. Like, if you weren't there an hour before a game, you might miss kickoff. Like it was that, it was that. And you did miss a few kickoffs. I missed, I missed two. Oh, just two. Uh, I'm trying to think if I missed a third, I missed two, the, the two Germany ones because, I was going from uh, from far away. For and, one game. Yeah. yeah. And the one game I hold, had an hour in between, and the other game I had two hours between, but it was further away. So, um, yeah, I went to Al Mama to El Bayet, and, and that was, and then it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare getting out of there. There was problems with the Uber. Um, same thing with uh, going from Khalifa to, we had issues with the Uber. Uh, I had to take another Uber. Then you had to walk a mile, you know, a mile to get to the Uber. And can we just stress as well, we are not being sponsored by Uber. No, but well, if, actually, if they want to sponsor they, us, feel it free. It wasn't always Uber. It was sometimes it was Uber. They also have their own Uber there called Kareem. So it was Uber and Kareem. And then you just had people who were taxi drivers, like oh, so people were just yes. you know, trying to make money, you know, moving their moving people around. So well, that's um, how I got picked up at the. Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit in 94. Yes. I think I've told yeah. that story before. It's like yeah. just a random guy that said, do you guys want a lift? Yes, please. Yeah. So, but they were, they were all, the the, the random taxi drivers, they won, they were a, 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 like illegal sort of. So mm. um, they, they might not get you into the area you wanted to. And then they were always way more. They were all, way more than what Uber would be. And you could sometimes, you could barter well, a bit. Christian but- Jack got taken for a wild ride one night by an Uber that, they were in the car for an hour and then demanded more money and we're going to call the police and stuff. Oh, I haven't watched that video. Did he talk about it in one of his videos? No, he tweeted it out that oh, he'd had okay. a very horrible experience. 
Oh yeah, there were there were some. Yeah, we got taken the wrong way once, but it was innocent and not not out of the way. And yeah, there was a couple times where it was like, okay, yeah, the cost or whatever. Or there's sometimes you get out of the Uber and they wouldn't stop the ride, and the ride would go for another like half an hour. And so you just message Uber and say, hey, fix this, and they would fix it. But, um, but no, the biggest thing was going to those Germany games. The first time we had this guy, he drove crazy fast, which was awesome. But then he's like, it's going to be ten more minutes if I drive you around. He's like, get out on the side of the highway, go through that desert ditch, climb over <laughs> that fence, and then go over this little overpass that went to the stadium. And I was with this guy. I was with this guy, uh, Pepe, and who's a um, Chilean-Canadian dude. And I was like, Pepe, can we do this? And, we, and we're like, yeah. So we go, and we find there's a way to go around the first fence. We get to this next fence, and it was like it was a fence that was kind of more like a, a wrestling ring. So here, Pepe... Pepe would have to hold down the bars and I would climb through. Then I would hold down, hold down the wire and he would climb through the fence. Aren't you glad um, we talked about wrestling? Though? Yeah. And then, and yeah I, I, are you sure that this wasn't you just being a migrant trying to get into another country illegally? No. Okay. But then the second, the second time I went to the Germany game, we told the driver, okay, we're going to get out. Cause Pepe and I, again, like we're going to get out and go across the highway. But Pepe went like in the, in the express lanes, not the collector lanes or whatever. So we have to actually run across a highway, then run through the desert ditch, then go over the fences or through the fences, and it was it was kind of crazy. A desert ditch sounds terrifying. No, it was okay. It was okay. okay. Did you get any camel rides? Uh, I so that's the thing, Michael. I went to the World Cup to go to uh, the football. So no, I didn't do. There's lots of people who went into the desert. They did camel rides. They went on the dunes. They went to. I can have met between went, stadiums because you do a camel ride, like you, how you uh, get the horse and cart, and you get the. Uh, no, there, I did see one horse, like uh, one horse and cart, uh, at one point. But no, I, I did. I don't know if you saw. I did see a camel at one point. There, yeah. At, at the Sukwa Kif, mm. there is a camel place where you can literally just go up and start petting the camels, and then after you pet the camels, the the guy holding the camel will say, "Can you help me?" I'm the only one in the podcast that's ridden a camel so far. Yeah, I did yeah. not get on the camel. I, I got not... offered camels for Caitlin when we went to Cairo. <laughs> and then I was quite offended because I found out someone else had been offered more for their wife. Looking back on it, I should probably have taken the camels. It, it, oh, it, <laughs> Caitlin just said, hey, from upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think she was listening. <laughs> Uh, there's, I have another camel story, but I'll tell you guys later. Well, yeah, I could imagine with your underwear and the heat down there, you would have no, had camel no, toe. No, no, no. No, but trans <laughs> sorry, transportation in general was really good. The metro was inc incredibly clean and pretty, pretty quick and pretty soon. There's VIP cars where, like, I guess only Qataris can go in normal times. So sometimes you'd get to sit oh. in the VIP car, which was kind of nice. What, what um, about safety-wise? Did everything feel pretty safe? Um, yeah. As one of my uh, Uber drivers or Kareem drivers explained to us, he said, Qatar is so safe. So I get in every every car I get into. I say, hey, what's your name? Whatever. Oh, and then say, hey, where are you from? And then they, they none, of, none of them are from Qatar, right? Like everyone there is not oh, from wow. Qatar, right? Like there's 380,000 Qataris and then there's like 3.5 million people in the country. So everyone wow. is from somewhere else there. So lots of Bangladesh. There was a little bit of India, Nepal, all, all, all over the world. So, all over Africa too. Yes, mm. a bunch of Africans. I didn't have a lot of African drivers, but I met African other Africans. Um, so they they would tell you say I'd say where you're from. I'd ask them how long they've been in Qatar. Usually the average was between six and twelve years or six and eleven years. Usually, 
And then wow. uh, I'd ask them, do they have any family with them? They would all say no. I say, yeah. would you, I say, do you have a community? Like if you were from Bangladesh, I say, do you have like a Bangladeshi community you're a part of? And they're like, oh yes, I'm. Fr- I have many friends here, whatever. And then I'd ask them about. Oh, then I'd say, I'd say, uh, like, uh, what what do you think of Qatar? And I'd say like overwhelmingly there was maybe three people who did like th- other than three people they all said oh i really like it or i love it here or it's great here or whatever well they're also they're, probably terrified because they don't know who the hell you yeah, are and it's like you're going to report them <laughs> so the other people a couple guys are like uh i don't really like it and then mm. one guy was like no i hate it here <laughs> I, I i think i mentioned before in the show my dad lived and worked in qatar for years he was based in doha because he was a manager of engineering he oversaw the safety on the oil rigs and stuff and did the quality control check. So six months of the year, he lived and worked in Doha and he hated it. We, uh, on, on the, on the metro, heat, right? Yeah. On the metro one day we met this, um, we met this dude who looked a little bit like Colonel Sanders, who, as we were talking to him, he was from America. We're like, oh, where are you from? And he's like, Texas. And we're like, oh, so I'm going to go on a limb and say you're here for the oil and gas industry. <laughs> And he's like, he's like. As a matter of fact, yes, I'm from Houston, and I'm here doing this or whatever. He's a really, he's a really nice guy. Maybe but, he's a um, chicken farmer. It's like you just <laughs> jump into conclusions there, because you got to go to all the stadiums in the end, which I know yes. that was something you targeted because you had tickets for six when we last spoke. Yeah. But you managed to get tickets then to see a game in every stadium. So, I mean, I'm I'm envious. Of, well, I'm envious of the fact that you got to a World Cup because it's been so long since I was at one. But to get to all the stadiums, that's a feat that you're you're not going to get a chance to do that again at a World Cup. No, in Germany, I think I did seven out of the twelve. Any favorites? I'm, they're they're all they're all kind of special in their own right. Like the the um, one that's got the roof like a vagina. The El Janoub? possibly. Yeah, the, the, it's called. I think it's called the Stadium of the South, Michael. Mm. Well, that would make I think sense. those are. It's it's meant to be. I think like sales or something, Michael. I think it's a clam. Or maybe oh. those sales. Maybe maybe I'm mixing things up here. Anyways, uh, that was like a really nice stadium. I went th- yeah, I went moving to- swiftly on. I went to, I think, three, two or three games there. I think three games there. So the last two I needed to get to were Education Stadium. And in the end, I got to two games there. And Education Stadium was a, gr- was a really good one. And one... Um, oh, yeah, because I asked you, was there a re-education stadium for the people yeah. that misbehaved? That's- that's no, but what they're it, renaming it after everybody leaves. Ah, in, the edu- okay. in the education stadium, though, you walk by out of, coming out of the the way I came out of the metro, there was um, there's a pitch there, and then because it's like a university city sort of thing, like there's all these schools, are, but and all these pitches schools, round about it. Because yeah, I remember seeing a, a, one of the stadiums there was pitches round yeah. about it, and they had a pitch next pitch next to it with like a a stadium that was not fit for CPL, but like with a few more stands would have been fit for CPL, um, but around it are all these signs of all the schools that have connections there so it was like texas a&m and like all these different schools you're like oh, what? wow what is it anyways but um that stadium one of the coolest things was because of, they're trying to control people getting in when we got out of the metro we got sent out this different way which i found later found out to be the good way and then as i was going they often what they would do is they'd stop you stop you going one way and then they'd have two different ways to so go so they again they're trying to control the flow of traffic and the buildup and whatever so they sent us this one way and this way they sent us sent us to like a back almost like a back entrance that was like hardly used there was like no one there and so we got in the stadium so quick so the second time i went to the stadium i was like we're going to that entrance doesn't matter what they tell us so they didn't want us to go 
But then they, when we got, well, when the Metro, we got up this, the, out that way, but then they're like, no, you have to go to the left here. And we were like, no, 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 we're going to this. There's a VIP entrance or something over here. We're going to that VIP entrance over. We were like, we're meeting someone there. We're going over there. So they let us through and we, we got to go over there. And, um, so education stadium was, was, was really nice. I only got to go to one game at Lucille, which is where the final is. Uh, that's the, final that's the biggest one, isn't it? It's the yeah. big one, which is totally going to be torn down as well as from what I understand at, uh, later on, because uh, they have no, no. No real reason to keep a 80,000 yeah. 80, seat stadium or 88,000 seat stadium. Um, well, and my ticket, I mean, my there, ticket there for are that, rumors well, that they might go for the Olympics with the Winter Olympics. Arabia. The Winter the, the, Olympics. The Winter Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this, the Desert Olympics. So, um, it, uh, so I was in this, we were in the sixth of seven levels. Oof. So, one of the things about the stadiums is I think uh, it's like, you know, how like we build stuff, you gotta have code and whatever. Like a lot of a few of them, you're like, I don't think these would pass North American code because like some of the stairwells and stuff were like maybe two people could go through. Like it's like for two people only. You're like, this doesn't seem like super, oh. super like normal. If there was an emergency, you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah, exactly. For if there was a, if there was an emergency to get out of that place, I'm like, it's gonna. There's gonna be some problems. <laughs> I I mean, I've, like. The one that everyone's talked about is the 974 Stadium, yeah. which, I mean, initially I thought it was the number of workers that had died building it, but it turns out it's the containers that has been used in the building of it. It's also the local area code. Oh. 974. So it's... Um... I mean, it, it looked cool. I still can't get my hand, head around how that was built like that. I genuinely... It baffles me. Michael, essentially they built a stadium and they just add the containers on the outside. They're all an aesthetic, but they, they, they're functional. Oh, okay. Right. And they look, they, look, they look really good. It looks really fun. It looks different obviously, mm -hmm. compared to the others. I was really glad I got to go there because going in, I didn't have a ticket for, for that stadium. But I got to see, we got to see Poland, Mexico, which was fun. Um, it, obviously, it was like a high, uh, Mexican travel, the Mexicans travel in large numbers. And they didn't. They they didn't really like when I when I was very enthusiastic at the penalty call. So when Luva got stopped, when Luvi got stopped on the penalty, um, Massimo and I got showered in a little bit of Coca Cola. Oh, which was, which was fun. see, this is like the Swiss fan showering me in popcorn in '94, yep. and I've hated totally. Switzerland ever since. Totally. Uh, I mean, well, it's better. I, I don't it's better. need. I don't need new. I'd rather be shared than popcorn, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I, don't, need... I was gonna say it's better Coca Cola than other uh, fluids they could have possibly. Oh yeah, that's that true. true. You're not in Honduras anymore. Yeah, um, golden showers. But I don't need Michael. I don't need any new reasons to not like Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but I also got to go see. Uh, ended up seeing uh, Denmark and France there, which was awesome because Naz and Minna were at the game as well, and we got to hang out. And that's the night we went to Freetown afterwards. Um. Yeah, Naz, Naz, I'm gonna have some stories. I, I won't share their stories, but they oh, have should, some stories. Should get Naz on, chat to yeah. him. Um, how many games did you end up seeing? Don't list them all because we're already at a three-hour show, I think. But how oh. many games did you end up going to? I think it was. I think there were sixteen days in, in sixteen days in a row where I went to games, and I think the total is I think twenty-two. Wow, that is insane. I mean, we touched on it earlier. The ticket availability. And the right. empty seats. I take it it was quite easy then to get tickets for games. Or, I mean, from what we've read, the games had sold out and the locals had got the tickets, but then the locals didn't turn up to games. Is that true? Or, 
I mean, was it quite I, easy to get tickets for these games? Okay, I cannot speak to locals having tickets and not showing up. I, I don't know about that. I didn't really hear anything about that. What I can tell you is this. Um, every day, you could try and get tickets online or at two ticket centers. You could go in person. So, for okay. example, the day before the tournament started, was it, yeah, it was the Saturday, the tournament started on Sunday, when I went to go pick up my Haya card, and I went to go pick up that match ticket for the physical match ticket for the first game. Massimo and I went and we stood, we went and stood in the line, the ticket line. And you're out front, you could see there was like no tickets available or there was like three matches with tickets available. And we went in, they were only doing like the next three days or something. And we went inside and we're like, what do you have available? And they're like, we have this, this, this. And they were like category one. And we only really ideally wanted category three tickets because they're the cheapest and whatever. And, and um, so they were whatever. And then the guy's like, oh, just popped up on my screen. He's like, I have, uh, I have, uh, uh, he had, I forget what game we were looking at. But then he's like, oh, I have category, I have six category one tickets, Poland, Mexico at 974. And I was like, Mass, let's go. And he was like, no, no, not category one. I was like, okay, you're right. Yeah, that's not. Good. And then the guy's like, oh, well, I also have actually have two category two tickets. They're next to each other. And we were like, we'll take them. And because they because of the beginning of the term they were having extreme issues with the digital tickets. Yes. They they printed our tickets. So they printed oh, they printed nice. us the tickets. Or we asked, can you print us the tickets? And they're like, okay, we can, but we have to sign a thing or something. So they gave us the tickets. And um yeah, they gave us the tickets. And uh and then that's how we got them for the game. So we went back to that place a few times. I don't think we ever got tickets again there, but I had a I had a, one of my German buddies from the Red Munichs, um, a guy I've known for a, a number of years. Um, he was just like a wizard at getting tickets, and so he he knew what matches I wanted, which state I wanted to go to, and so every almost every day he'd be like, "Okay, what do you want to go?" And he would just he got me like so many tickets that that I didn't have before I got there. And actually, he's the guy who I got my Germany tickets from. He he got me a few other matches that I went to. Um, like, you know, Costa Rica, Japan, and uh, um, Wales, Iran, and uh, Cameroon, Holland, and a bunch of tickets before I even went. Like, he was the guy. He got extras, and he I just oh, paid awesome. him, and he, he, he just transferred to my account. So um, he, he was a guy. He's like a guy I trust so much that even one day, he's like, I can get you tickets. Can I, can I just log into your account and get them that way? So I was like, yeah. So I gave him my account information. He logged into my account and got them on my account, on my account, um, which was very, 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 very helpful. He was just a wizard. It also, there was like certain times a day you knew they were going to drop tickets. And so you would, so that's the thing is on the app and at these, at these physical venues, every day there were tickets that were for sale. Now there weren't always huge, crazy amounts of them, but there were also tickets on resale. So if you resell a ticket, if you're selling it, you lose 10%. If you're buying it, you pay five percent more. Hmm. But most of the tickets he that this guy got for us were actually like tickets that had not been bought before. So it was it was it was just kind of weird how that how that was made available in that way. And I don't know the reasons for it. I don't know if they were yeah they well they weren't locals returning their tickets because locals had category four tickets were like which were like forty reals. They were like fifteen bucks Canadian or whatever. Oof. And and you couldn't. Uh, you could use those supposedly, but I never, I never saw any of those. I never got any of those. Mm. Um, but uh, and that's the thing is, all my tickets I bought were all face value. Like I didn't, I never paid up oh, for nice. tickets. So and most of them was I went to 
all of them, but maybe three or four, maybe five tops, maybe I think four, were all category three. They're all the cheapest category. So that helped. Now, when you're talking about ticketing, though, we need to talk about, uh, you know, uh, this other issue. So the first two games I went to the El Janoub in the south, they were one o'clock kickoffs. They were Cameroon games, uh, Cameroon versus Switzerland, and then Cameroon versus Serbia. Both games, they were the stadium was very empty, not just the VIP seats, but the whole stadium was like considerably empty. It was like, I was like, wow, like this is concerning. What happened at the second game was, um, Algenub uh, is a stadium where you have access to the whole stadium. Like you go on the concourse and there's stairs up to the upper thing. So you literally can go wherever you want, basically in the stadium. There might have been a cutoff in the middle, I can't remember, but um, I think you can almost go anywhere in the stadium. Or you can definitely go, once you're in the stadium, you can go upper deck or lower deck. So for the Serbia Cameroon game, our seats were in the upper deck. And my German buddy, uh, he was in the bottom deck. And so I just messaged him at halftime. He's like, Oh, there's seats in my section. This is my section. You should come in. So Mass had gone to get food or whatever. So I said, hey, meet me at this section. We're going to go meet meet my buddy. And uh, so Matt I, Matt, I went down. I found a row, maybe like 10, 15 rows back with like five or six seats in it. And I just sat in those seats. And Mass came and joined me. And he's like, hey. And so he comes and sits with me. He's like, hey, I just saw like the gates were open and a whole bunch of people were coming in. And so about... Wow. Five minutes later, these two good dudes come down our aisle. And they're like, hey, are those seats open? And we're like, yeah, go ahead. Come sit with us. So you guys sit with us. So then we turn to them. We're like, hey, like, um, how did you get in? Or like, are you like, well, I think we asked them, did you pay to pay for a ticket? And they're like, no, no, they just, they just let us in. So they weren't, wow. they weren't, they weren't, um, I don't know that they were papering. They weren't papering the stadiums. So to say they were more like trying to fill in the cracks. Mm. And the guy said to us, they said, we we were told go between this block and this block and find empty seats. So, so in the stadiums, they let you just move around then without. No, I mean yes and no. Right, because I, mean, I, I can imagine this sounds in 20, like twenty six. It won't be like that. No, this sounds like uh, the Oscars where you have just have seat filling. Oh yeah, but but, that, but it, no, the thing was, it was so many people, Steve. It was kind of crazy. So then this is the other thing that happened. So then one of our cabbies told us he's like. And this was not true. He was a, he was a half Moroccan dude. He was the guy who told us there's like a hundred thousand Moroccans in in Qatar. Um, and he said right he he said there were he said no no it was just women and children that they would let do this, but it was not women and mm. only women and children. So at the Canada Morocco game, our, our we had issues with the the Uber, so we got there and we had to walk a long way. Uh, and so once we got over this bridge over the highway, and we were kind of at the stadium entrances. I said to I said to the people I was with, I said, look at here. There's this whole crowd of mostly men waiting in like waiting in and there's no line, there's no queue. There's just this kind of block of them waiting. I said, I said, these guys are waiting to be let in to fill empty seats. I guarantee you. So when the issues happened at the Morocco game and all these people were going into the, you know, Canada family and friends section and other parts. When I went to the security, I said to him, I said, you can't let these people in. He said to me, Michael, Michael and Steve, he said, what can I do? They've opened the gate. Jeez. So, it was, so I was just like, well, what you can do is not let them go in that part of the, the section, mm -hmm. but send them somewhere else. Like, So the, they were pretty good in the end. They, they realized that they needed to not have Moroccans in there. Um, but I, again, that goes back to what 
Steve was just saying as well, it's like when you've got then narrow concourses and stairwells yeah. and stuff. And so I think that's a I disaster they, waiting I, to happen. I think they were being, I think they were being, I think they were going actually, they still have to go through security, I think. Um, so I think that was quote unquote legit. But then because they realized both they, I think probably had created a problem, especially around Morocco. I don't know about the quarterfinal, but I know at the semifinal, because my, my German buddy was there. He said, because Al Bayat is in the middle of nowhere and you get off the metro or whatever, like they can't stop you from going there on the metro, but it's literally just surrounded by this green, like a green grassy field in the middle of the desert, right? And so what they did was apparently they brought like police on horseback and like almost like the riot squad to like bl to block it off further down where you had to show you had a ticket to actually get to the actually the ticket first ticket place well that's sensible um because they knew that the moroccans were just gonna try mm -hmm. and get in because they had before and, and when we were going in for the canada morocco game there was multiple moroccans who or sorry multiple fans wearing morocco gear or with moroccan flags who were being refused entry because they either their tickets weren't real or there was some kind of issue and then there was in the in the in the in the, the turnstile next to us they were almost trying to push through the security to get past the one one level of security because they just wanted to to get in. Um, but it was it was yeah it was it was interesting. So obviously, in a in a European setting in North America, that that won't happen. Like no. in Germany, that would never happen. They would uh, and obviously the, the the host they don't want they don't want empty seats. They, they you know they want the full seats. I don't know you know the, these tickets. Uh, these empty seats were they sold you know again the question we always ask about stadiums is it tickets sold people in the stadium whatever yeah. these numbers are obviously presumably tickets sold yeah because fifa said it's the most successful world cup with tickets sold and stuff and everything like that you also did have touts michael oh so really? not a lot of there's not a lot of touts on site early there were for some of the knockout games and some of like the late argentina games and whatever but StubHub was a, a thing where people were getting trying to get tickets off StubHub, and so it was a real. Some people had issues, and some people it was okay, and so I, I know you had people buying them so that they could try and sell them on StubHub and make money. But yeah, I know. you didn't, like, you didn't really need to. Scum of the earth. Yeah, got to find a way to eliminate that for twenty twenty six. We've got to talk about how you went viral on oh. TikTok, on YouTube, showing. <laughs> The, I, I wish I'd got you that Football Violence Awareness Month t-shirt to wear at that Germany-Costa Rica game attacking a That's poor Qatari with a German flag whilst wearing a Voyager's jersey. No, 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 no. Michael, Michael, Michael. Okay, this is a, this is a longer story, right? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is... Sit, a... sit back, Steve. Let's get the kettle on. No, okay, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you this quick. So ever since the tournament has been awarded to Qatar, the German government and the German media have been very against the tournament being there for all the reasons we've talked about before. Yes. So they've been very critical. In 2018, uh, before the World Cup, um, there are two German Turks who, uh, Ilkay Gundogan, who plays for Man City, of course, used to play for Dortmund, and Mesut Ozil, mm. who went and they had a public meeting with Erdogan, the dictator in Turkey. Yes. And it was at the time of Turkish elections. And so they have these pictures taking, you know, them shaking hands and then with Erdogan. And the media and the people in Germany were not happy about it. Ilkay Gundogan put up his hand and said, I should not have done this. This was not the right thing to do. Mesut Ozil said, people don't respect me. Uh, I've been mistreated, especially after then he went into the tournament, had a horrible tournament and a lot of people 
were disappointed in him for that and whatever and and tr- sort of morphed it into a you know political maybe even religious kind of kind of thing um come move fast forward to 2022 uh germany was a part of the discussions over the one love armband and then of course fifa said yeah you can do that but we will punish your team by giving your captain a yellow card the teams in the end said for sporting reasons we're not going to do that because we don't want to we don't we don't want to we don't want to hamper your teams the german team for their opening game against japan which i was at although i was on the other side of the stadium so i didn't see this when they did it they of course they chose to collectively and they're with the full backing of the federation they took their team photo with their hands covering their mouths and then put out a message saying you have tried to take away our voice from expressing what we feel at this tournament Therefore, we are sort of like it's sort of like a protest. The locals did not take well to that. Um, they, I think, viewed it as an affront, you know, to their culture and their values and and whatever. Ah, okay. So what happened then was because um, I don't think he was there before, and this part is just my speculation. So I'm not saying this is fact. But on the last day of the tournament, um. Now, there, my understanding is, by the way, there's... When you say the last day of the tournament, you mean the sure. last day of Germany's <laughs> tournament. Oh, Canada's too. But um, no, which was, was the real last day of the tournament for me. Um, <laughs> so on the, um, there's my understanding, there's good diplomatic relations between Qatar and Turkey. Uh, so about four hours before kickoff, Mesut Ozil puts on his social media a picture of him in the stadium where Germany is about to play Costa Rica. Oh. And he's saying like, oh, it's nice to be a part of, you know, at the World Cup, blah, 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 blah. When I get to the state, so I'm late for the game, right? So I've missed all the pre-stuff, whatever. Uh, and I had to help a guy, my buddy Pepe, get to his seat. It's a long story. Anyways, I go to my seat, which is in the German supporter block. It's right behind the goal. You yeah, saw my third I, row or something, man. Yeah, yeah for that game, I was, I, was, I was in row C. So I go at halftime, I turn around and there's one of my uh, a different buddy, not my ticket buddy, a different buddy I know. And so I'm going, I'm talking to him and there's this commotion behind us. And so I look behind us and there are people in the section holding up pictures of Mesut Ozil. And this is very antagonistic toward the Germans are very angry, but apparently it was their way to protest Germany's protest. And so there was a big kerfuffle. Security was there. And everyone, the Germans are like, this should not be allowed, and blah blah blah. And I said to my, I said to my German buddy, I said, "Is there more to this situation than I don't don't know?" And I explained what I knew, and he's like, "No, you understand the situation, right? This is what's going on." So, and then I was just like, at the time, I was just like, "This is crazy," because when you go in these stadiums, they they look at everything you have and they take away anything, right? The rainbow people had rainbow flags taken or whatever, or not taken, but you had to leave in a security place and come back at them after the game. They had anything that like didn't have anything to do with the, the teams or the game or whatever, they would not let you bring in. They didn't want any messages, obviously any corporate message, but any messages they might not agree with, they did not want in. But I was like, this is strange that they're this happen. Anyways, the game goes on, the Japan-Spain goes on, that game ends a little bit earlier, and the crowd erupts you know, with great joy that Germany uh, has been eliminated. And as the final whistle goes, and as I go to leave the stadium, I turn around, and there are all these, all these people who um, are holding up and they're, I think they're, you know, I don't know who, I don't know who they all are because there's so many of them. Some of them actually, some of them were, were either Turks or, um, or, or maybe, uh, maybe Muslims who were like German fans. There's a couple dudes like wearing Germany jerseys and stuff and holding these up. But for the most part, they, they weren't. 
they were like locals or um uh whatever they're people from all over the world but they had lined they had lined the the tunnel around the block where the german fans were on the main level and looking up to the second deck they were all hanging off the second deck and looking up to the third deck they were all hanging on the third deck all taunting the german fans holding up these pictures of mezzeroso so <clears throat> i as i'm going up uh, i say to the security guards i was like I was like, hey, you guys take away a lot of stuff at the gate. The people are not allowed into the stadium because you're worried about issues and you don't want me. I was like, how is this allowed? Like, how how is this allowed? Like this, this seemed like this is this is this has created problems and is creating problems. And and the security kind of didn't really say anything, which was different because the most of them spoke a little bit of English. And when you ask them questions, they would speak freely, but they kind of just didn't say anything. Because they had been told to allow to allow these things in, obviously. So as a counter protest, as my silent counter protest, as I was walking through this gauntlet of these pictures, I decided just the DFB had given out all these flags, like the German section was filled with German flags. And so I had collected a few. And um, because, Michael, you said you wanted free stuff from the tournament. So I brought you a German flag. Awesome. So, uh, <laughs> I'll take so, anything that's free. So I uh, so my my just I just tapped one of the Ozil pictures as I went by. Yeah. It, it looked I, like a dab. It looked like a dab, like you were dapping somebody up or something. With a and flag. so it didn't so look I, like a hit. I could hear. I could hear as I went by. They went a little bit crazy, and I just kept on going through the tunnel. I didn't look back. And then when I got through, I could hear more, more. And I was like, "Oh, what happened after I left?" And it was that dude with the cowboy hat who was talking about the yeah. Taliban and whatever, or calling them Taliban, which was you know offside in of itself. But um, well, there was one guy that actually and, went into the seats in the concourse. Yeah. Like, I met up with a concourse with these guys who I knew and they were having it out with people who were walking by them and like putting this in their face or whatever. And there was all, it almost came to like, there was some strong things said back and forth and there was like, there was potential for altercation. Security was standing around for all this security saw all this didn't do anything. They just allowed this to all happen anyway. So I get, I get get out of the stadium. I take the long walk to the, to the shuttle. This is where you got to take a shuttle. I mean, I meet up with Pepe. Pepe and I take a, the wrong shuttle. We took a long shuttle. It took us like forever to get home. So I'm sitting on the shuttle and I go, I go online. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any issues about this Ozil thing. So I look up and yeah, there's this Brazilian, Brazilian, uh, I don't know. He's not a journalist, I don't think, but some Brazilian dude. And he's like, oh, the German Islamophone fans are, are at it again or whatever and blah, blah. And so there's this clip of me you know, tapping this Ozil thing from the side. And I was like, oh, no. The problem was I'm wearing... The Brazilian, the, the Brazilian guy's probably just still sore for 2014. That's why he probably... Ah. Yeah. So the problem was I was I was wearing a Voyager shirt. So yeah. I went home. Uh, I went home. The next morning, I met up with Jamie. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm wearing the Voyager shirt. And this is the, this video, blah, blah, blah. If it causes any problems, I apologize. This is what happened. This is what I did, why I did it. If you have any problems or any concerns or whatever, like whatever. So yeah, so people started to post it or whatever and blah blah blah. And then yeah, it 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 is it is what it is. Uh, I I think you would that kind of thing would never happen in Europe or North America or I wouldn't even I don't think you'd even see that in in South America uh, be allowed to happen like that because mm. there was a real potential for like actual violence to take place. Although I think everyone's so afraid of the you know. Qatari laws that no one really yeah. 
really fight, but you saw there was German guys like ripping up the Ozil pictures and like whatever. Yeah. yeah. The the better thing, the better thing that's come from that clip, I don't know if you've seen it. There's another someone took that clip and they they used it in a video called the nine worst performances at the World Cup. And the video starts with Table Courtois walking walking off the pitch and he smashes the the window next like on the team bench and i think i think he might have right. broke it or whatever and yeah they show him walking out and then the, the second clip is me walking out of the stadium <laughs> tapping, tapping the... i'll send you that i'll send you that one you can use yeah. that one although so, in the video in the video they do call canada poor which i did not appreciate ah. so zach's uh football violence awareness month range of t-shirts and merchandise will be out in march um and he's also selected a german skinhead band as arts no, month for I next month Michael, Michael, Michael. Merchandise. Don't yeah. don't spoil what you got us because I, I want to see it I didn't with get my you, own eyes. I didn't get you anything. So Yeah, okay, so, I don't want to hear that. Don't so, spoil uh, what you've got us. Yeah, that's, that's kind of spoiled it too. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm ignoring that. I'm hoping he's I joking. Did, here's the thing. I didn't I didn't buy I didn't really buy anything. I think I bought one shirt. Yeah. Because dude, everything that's there is gonna be here in four years. It's all like just like pins. I don't want the ghosty guy. No, not the ghosty guy. But pins and keychains and plug-in chargers and like what any any anything you can put the, the World Cup logo on, they put it on. Um, scarves and shirts and hats and balls and um, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So yeah, I didn't buy a lot because I don't. Yeah, I don't want I bought, you to buy anything. I just want you to get the free stuff. But you did say all the free stuff had massive lineups. Yeah, I did, and that's like, without Scotland being there. There was a Coca-Cola thing, a little Coca-Cola drum that the one time I was there, I was like, oh, there's no line. I'm going to go. I went up and it was like the place had just opened. It was my last day there. I went up to them. I was like, hey. And they're like, uh, yeah, we don't have any drums. We're, we're waiting for more drums to be delivered. That's why there was no lineup. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah I, well, no, no one was in, uh. in really yet, to be fair. But no, I mean, I mean, it was it was, it was crazy. Like there's a store. There's a couple stores at every stadium. And then inside the stadiums, there's kiosks. And then at the Fan Fest, there's a giant store and a smaller store. And yeah, I mean, anything you could think of, they just put the World Cup logo and the World oh, Cup. Oh, it's going to be even worse in 2026. Oh. I mean, we know yeah. that. And then there's a crazy markup for it. But yeah, I, I, there's some things I'm wondering if they actually can get online. Because there's some things like, there's t-shirts, like, you know, there's 50-50 scarves for the games. But there was also... Yeah, I saw some people had them for the Canada yeah. games. There's I don't like those. Though. There's t-shirts for the games and... Um, uh, there's t-shirts for the games like of the, of the games like the two teams and whatever and some had the flags and some had words and um, I never got any of those for Canada which is yeah maybe maybe when the tournament's here I'll try and get those yeah. so we we kind of chatted a, a little bit longer than I, I thought we were going to about all the experiences of, of Zach over in Qatar but really enjoyed listening to them hope you have as well so we, we were going to have some thoughts looking ahead to 2026 but I think we'll save that for the next episode and we'll, we'll look a little bit ahead to what we may uh, learn from this World Cup from a United bid experience in 2026 and we we'll, can also talk about the, the build up to that and maybe the Club World Cup which who knows maybe we could see that over here as well in 2025 as a, a warm up tournament but that is it for our World Cup chat for this episode we're going to be back talking about the domestic scene with some MLS and some CPL news of the week. And we'll be back with that after the song that has made it to number seven in AFTN's 2022 Festive 15. Hi, I'm Derek Cornelius and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
sometimes tears when I think of all the things. All the things I think about. I've seen. When I think of all the things my mother said. When I think of all the feelings I heard from her. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. 
And kicking off this part, it's number seven in AFTN's Festive 15. English band Suede, Artist of the Month in November. And it's a song I played last month. It's the opening track from their new album, Auto Fiction. It's also their set opener in their live shows just now. That is She Still Leads Me On, a song about Brett Anderson's mother who passed away when he was in his early 20s and that how she still is a guiding light to him. It's a song, I take a lot from that with my own mum passing away this summer as well and it's a very good track as well. Hope you've enjoyed that one. We've got six more to come in the Festive 15. Tune in to the next couple of shows to find out what they are. But for this final part of this show, we're just going to get through some of the domestic news that's come out in the the last week or so. We didn't get a chance to do a midweek show because I I was a bit sick and Zach's schedule and everything to get this done. So we'll start off with some MLS news. Um, It's been announced the schedule is going to be coming out on Tuesday, December the 20th. So watch out for that. You can get all your planning done. The Super Draft. the earliest I've ever heard of it. Yeah, it is. It's great. But the season is going to kick off a bit earlier as well uh, because they're going to be shutting down uh, for the the League's Cup as well. So it's good. You can get your planning in early. The Super Draft, also the earliest it's ever been. It's going to be on Wednesday the 21st. We'll see who the the Whitecaps pick in that. The big MLS news this week, though, it was announced of the linear TV deal for MLS we all know about the Apple deal, and we'll delve into a bit more of that into next year, but they've announced a linear TV deal, and TSN will still be showing matches. They'll have an extensive schedule of regular season games. One match per week to feature a Canadian team will be on TSN. They will also have eight MLS Cup playoff matches, and of course there's rumours that that playoff schedule may be expanded into like a group stage that's still to be confirmed. They will also show the MLS Cup each season, which does need to be on on the big networks. And in America, Fox Sports got all these deals as well. They will have the League's Cup. They'll show 12 group stage and four round of 32 matches each tournament. They'll have highlight rights, editorial coverage and cross-marketing support. So maybe we'll finally get this Match of the Day style highlight show that I've been calling out for. I'm delighted by this because I have had genuine concerns about how you grow the league and how you grow the fan base and how you get casual fans to suddenly become season ticket holders, not just here in Vancouver, but across North America as well. I think this is a great deal, Steve. Yeah, it's not a bad, it's better than I thought it was going to be, but I figured they they should, like I was talking about like in the past about CPL too. That they should have, they should have a game of the week, and that's what they're going to do here. Yeah, I hope CPL not, can follow this this route. I, 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 it's going to be for TSN. It's probably going to be either Toronto or Vancouver. Hopefully, they don't like lean heavily towards Toronto. Well, yeah, because um, RDS have got the rights as well. I mean, they might pick the odds. Yeah, Canadian. I, I've are, heard that the that no team will have more than half of the matches shown. Okay, I, I don't think they'll have very many Montreal matches because of RDS. You'll be able to find those on there. So I don't think you'll have... RDS will probably just have Montreal matches. Uh, but it's good to see. Um, I think in the States, it's Fox Sports that is going to have the matches uh, yep. regularly. Um, I think they have more than one match a week, possibly. I can't remember. Uh, but that's good to see. Again, with the Apple deal, I still hope that they have some kind of thing where you can just sign up for Vancouver. 
a Whitecaps matches because I'm not interested. You can't. Okay. So then that's an issue for me because I'm not interested in paying that much to watch every team. I don't really, I don't, wouldn't watch them if they were on free TV, some of the games that, that are available weekly. I mean, Zach, what do you make of this? I mean, they, they had to get something out there. I, I don't know how Apple feel about this after all their big exclusive partners, exclusive rights. That's quite a lot of games that's going to be on linear TV now. It's a little more than I thought would be, yeah. uh, if I'm honest. But I'm not super worried about the MO schedule for 2023. No, obviously your mind is elsewhere. But I, I think this is good. And it alleviates I, some of the concerns that I had that how do you get new fans in if they can't see the the product i don't like using that word but the, if... the, the thing is though with this the way you say that's different teams they're going to have different teams every week so there's not going to be one team being shown so if you're a fan of one club yes you might be able especially in the states you maybe see that team every month yeah that's going to be tough tv yeah and and, and you're not going to so you're still going to have to if you want to watch them every week you're still going to have to get the apple package so yeah i don't think apple's that concerned about this but remember, also that's the, true. Apple the Apple package is included for all season ticket holders, right? Yes, so they get that free. But they, that's that's the fans you've already got on board. It's I'm no, no, yeah, more yeah, worried yeah. about growing this and attracting the new fans. And, and when you don't have it on like this free TV, you're not going to get other people talking about it to you like other local sports shows. Yeah. They're going to talk about it way less than what it was before. Yeah, that's Believe true. Believe me, when the BC lines were blacked out um, uh, for mm. home games, when when they didn't have enough fans or stuff like that, they wouldn't show it. Nobody was talking about the BC Lions, honestly. It was yeah. just the people that were going to the games. That's the problem because a lot of the casual things. I mean, there'll be. I'm sure there'll be some media deals for people to get it, but then it, it's like, how many of these people are are going to want to talk about it? But if they've no, got the highlights the is, right as well on TSN, the highlights are it yeah. is a key thing here. And if you could get maybe like a maybe a, a condensed match or something, maybe a half an hour match after the game is over or something like that, that would help as well. So if you I, don't like. Well, isn't is a YouTube? They, they did it on YouTube last. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they'll have ten minutes stuff like that. It, mm. it was seven. It was seven on YouTube, and it was well. You could get four and seven. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Some Whitecaps news: Derek Cornelius is not returning to play for the Whitecaps. He's been transferred to Malmo over in Sweden. No amount mentioned in the in the release. No details about add-ons and stuff as well for appearances or or whatever. It's a great move for Derek Cornelius. And it falls into what we were saying at the start of the show about John Herdman wants his players playing over in Europe. Malmo, a team that play in the Champions League regularly. If they're not in the Champions League, they're going to be in the Europa League. So he's getting that experience. I've seen a lot of folk kind of poo-pooing why the Whitecaps would do this sack as well. And it's like, you want to keep hold of him. We need a central defender. Now, if Derek didn't really want to come back and play here, I think the Whitecaps have done well. They've not held, they've not stopped in his way. From the player, it's the best move. And it's just, it's win-win. The Whitecaps get Gam out of this. They can bring a player in. It makes total sense to me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Derek didn't, like DC didn't want to come back. He wanted to pursue things in Europe. So I'm happy for him. And then, yeah, I think the Whitecaps will get... Some funny money to uh, try and invest in the squad elsewhere, or or in that same spot. Yeah, what well, that's the thing, yeah. Zach. Because I mean, Axel told us one centre back, and then he said if Derek moves on, it would give them the extra money to either put towards this one centre back or bring in a second one. So, mm. I, I think it's a I think it's a good bit of business by the Whitecaps. 
And you're right that the way you said that you can't really like stop somebody from moving on and and maybe the way Derek Cunningham plays is not going to fit with what the Whitecaps want to do and he needs to play in a system that works for him as well because we want him to get starts and if he's just going to come back here and he doesn't find ride the pine there's no point of that so yeah I don't know if he would or not but I, it's just a and just for me myself this probably was the second biggest DC news this week um uh, <laughs> compared to other stuff that happened in the world yes the Superman stuff I've been keeping up to date on that. I, I've no real interest in Superman, but one of my good friends, Christina, has, so I've been reading her tweets on it. Some other news from around the league. Freddie Montero's back at Seattle. We can't bring him back to Vancouver. Disappointed Put in that. Put the coffee on the pot. Ah. James Pantemis has re-signed with Montreal for 2023 with two option years. And it was interesting, the press release mentioned that they, they always wanted to bring him back but it was just a one-year option, so they wanted to renegotiate this new deal with the potential to keep him here for the three years is the spin that they've put on it. But it does look now that Pantemis and Sirwa is going to be battling it out for that starting goalkeeper spot. And I think that might surprise a few people because we spoke to Eve a few weeks ago as well and the, the feeling was that they'd been looking to pastures new and bringing in a new keeper. Yeah, and, and the thing is with Pentamis, he's going to be much busier based on all the outgoing exits oh, yes. and this year. So yeah. he'll be it's busy like a, in the goal for sure. It's going to be, it could potentially be a Crepeau situation. Yeah, mm. Reshape, reshaping that team is going to hurt. Yeah, create a lot more work for him. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one for Montreal next year. And Victor Vasquez has gone back to TFC. Just going back and forward like a little yo-yo. But that's a, that's a good re-addition to TFC. How, how old is he now? Like 37, 38? He, Vasquez is actually just 35. Still got young legs okay. in him. But I, I think that's a good addition for TFC. A little bit of CPL news. And Vancouver FC have some players. Their first official player has been named. Callum Irvin returning to Vancouver. The former Whitecaps Academy product. Coming back to play for Vancouver FC after a couple of seasons with Pacific FC in the, the CPL. You, you noticed how on, on the press release they, they chose not to put any Vancouver logos on there? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Well, I, Zach, are you going to use that chant you used to set, uh, uh, you know, chant at him when he was in training at the residency when we were walking by? Which one? About being better yeah, than De Gea? You're better than De Gea. Oh, yeah. That's just because he likes he likes yeah, De Gea. De Gea's, I know, that's why it was complimentary and De, I mean, taking a dig at him. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> I still use it on Twitter. I still use, I tweeted it out. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, it's a good it's a good first edition for Vancouver oh. FC. Oh. And like Zach and me were on the, the call with him midweek, which we're going to bring you in the next show because we're going to talk a little bit about that in our Christmas special and look ahead to Vancouver FC's season. So we'll, we'll bring you Callie's chat on that. But it looks from that he might be the captain of the team as well. Which That was an awkward comment from uh, the, the head coach. I, I thought, well, like, you don't even know all your players yet. Like, how can, how can you name Well, I think they have signed a few players that we just don't know because no, but, it, it does sound like they're going to be but, making a few announcements over the next few days. Oh, no, so. yes. But do, I, I, do they really know their whole squad? Probably not, but I mean, Cali is a leader, he knows the league, oh, yeah. and I do like a goalkeeper to be a captain, because yeah. they can he, yell it out, and they're seeing the whole game play out there. He's he's quality, he's proven himself yeah. in the league, and I'm excited for him, I'm happy for him, looking forward to supporting him, it's going to be good times. Another two potential players for Vancouver FC, 
drafted on Thursday. Anthony White, taken first overall from Toronto Varsity Blues, has come through the Whitecaps Academy. TSS Rovers as well played and won a League One BC Championship alongside his brother Nick. Left foot centre-back, great addition. Um, very high on both the White brothers, actually. It, I, I think that they are both got great potential in the game. And then the second pick I don't know much about at all. Did play at the U Sport Nationals with TMU Bold, that I know sounds like it is some kind of font, but is actually the, the new name. Toronto Metropolitan University Amir Kinani uh, an Iraqi forward yeah, and, and a, but I looked up on the thing he's actually a former or a current futsal player for the Canadian national team too and he scores right. goals so someone who will have exceptional footwork mm. it'll be interesting to see if, if they make it I'm supportive of the CPL draft and uh, it's it's great to have the, the sport connection. I do feel that the CPL have made it to be a little bit more than it is. This is nowhere near where the NCAA draft is because the NCAA draft is people that's coming out of college, but this draft is for people that are going to be going back to college. And yeah. the commissioner was going on about, oh, it's a big step in their pro careers and stuff. It's not, and it hasn't worked out for a lot of these guys. And someone like Gabriel Batar, it was three times before he ended up getting the minutes, and that was with FC Edmonton because it was kind of like a needs-must situation. So the draft's not quite where it is because all the graduating players weren't in this draft because they're free to negotiate better contracts yeah. than a U Sports deal. Yeah, I, I think that's a good. It's a, it's a good for the players and the teams in that way. I, I personally have no problem with it. Pacific FC had a couple of draft picks as well. Eric Lajeunesse, a guy I'm very high on. I would have personally taken him first over Anthony White, to be honest. I'd have taken Anthony White second. So, like, Lajeunesse and White as your two centre-backs would be good, but I'm sure they're looking for a bit more experience. Eric Lajeunesse, though, UBC Thunderbirds, comes through the Whitecaps Academy as well, played League One BC with the Whitecaps, an Ottawa lad. Very high on him. I think he was in my League One BC team of the season. I have to go and, and check that out. He's had a great season with UBC Thunderbirds, Rookie of the Year in U Sports as well. Speaking to Mike Mosher, he said, I don't know how long we'll have Eric. I'm expecting maybe just to have him for a season and then he'll move into the pro ranks. He's that ready. So for Pacific, who are going through a massive rebuild, mm. talked about Montreal and MLS, Pacific right now, Oh boy, James Merriman has a big job ahead of him there because it's like so many players moved on. Lajeunesse is a great addition, as is Brandon Torreson from Trinity Western, played League One with Unity FC as well. Him and his brother, the Torreson brothers, both came through the Whitecaps Academy, both really good guys as well. For the best for all these guys. Yeah. Vancouver FC announced coaching staff as well on Friday. Mark Village coming in as a goalkeeper coach, not a surprise at all. As soon as he left Pacific, I thought he was going to go to Vancouver FC. As soon as we signed Callum Irving, I say we, as soon as they signed Callum Irving, I thought, yeah, Mark Village is not going to be far behind. So no surprise there. Genuinely surprised by that, because when we spoke to Arshan, he said that the whole thing with his coaching staff was he wanted to get young, up-and-coming Canadian coaches to bring on and develop. Now Thompson's in his late 40s and has been around the blocks for quite a while. Now, he's a great addition, lots of experience, being involved with the Whitecaps residency. I, I'm a bit surprised by it, though. 
But I, I don't have an issue with it because although I don't think he's that old comparison to other coaches, but he's got experience in the area. It's a matter of getting the next level of coaches. If they add more coaches below, those are the ones you want to have as young and up-and-comers. Uh, I, I thought they might go for someone like Adam Day, but yeah, they've gone, they've gone for now. I mean, I, I love Niall. He's a great guy. He's passionate. Yeah, the <laughs> second in charge to be somebody with experience because Arshman doesn't know the area as well as Niall might know. I think there might be another member of the staff still, but I could be wrong about that. Ah, that that would make sense then. But that is it for the football chat. It's not it for the show. We've still got time to bring you this episode's wavelength. So the World Cup is over, and so is our World Cup songs that we've been playing in wavelength during November and December. This is the last one coming up in this episode, and I'm going back to 2014. And it's a it's a spoof song. And I don't know if you remember, and I say I don't know if you remember, he is still on the go, USA Soccer Guy. Kind of a, a comedy account and YouTube channel that talks in American soccer speak, the way that people in the UK think that everybody in North America talks and commentates on soccer. And I think a few of them still do. I think a few of my friends back home think that's how we all talk about football over here but USA Soccer Guy brought a song out in 2014 for the World Cup in Brazil and this is it this is Kick That Soccer Ball Watch it kick it real nice into the danger box zone To the big guy, headshot on the spot, real hot, goal shot 
real Sweet the players head back to the locker As the fans thank the buddy for the real nice soccer USA Soccer Guy, kick that soccer ball. So that is it for the show. Thank you for staying with us. I know it's been a, a long one. My voice has made it to the end. It's actually started to get better as the thing went on. Maybe I just need to talk more. That's bad news for my wife. Just before we go, though, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts heading into our Christmas special? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And my 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 after this podcast i didn't expect that we would be mentioning and maybe we need to go back and count it up but mentioning as many times as messi as we mentioned in this show as uh pepe uh from Ch- uh zach's friend for yeah Chile. i think I, i'm wondering like which who got mentioned more in this podcast messi or him so it's interesting i think you should maybe even name, name the podcast pepe or Ch- uh, messi I, I i think pepe might have got the more mentions you can you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M tweeting very occasionally. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, looking forward to uh, doing the Christmas show and hopefully uh, maybe some trivia stuff between now and beginning of January. But um, yeah, it's been great to have you back on the show and stay safe in the snow. There's a lot of yes, stuff. Oh, it's yeah. horrendous <laughs> today as we're re- recording this. As I look out my window, very pretty though, and it's just what you want at this time of year, says the person that doesn't have to go out this week. I am Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. If you want to get in touch, you can also get in touch on email, AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. I know a lot of you do. I know I'm very bad at replying to your emails, but I do read them all and really do appreciate the, the messages as well. I just want to finish with a, a final thought. I've spoken on the show before. I've really got into watching the A-League late at night. Oh, yeah. On YouTube. Oh, oh, yeah. And it's been a lot of fun. And I spoke, I think it was just on the last show, Steve, about uh, is Canada really at that soccer nation? You see how they are in Australia right now. And should Canada's fans be more like those Australian fans? Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, I remember listening listening to that episode. if, If anyone hasn't seen what happened on... The early hours of Saturday morning for us, Saturday normal in in Australia. It was the Melbourne Derby. Melbourne victory, Melbourne City. And as a bit of background, this week, the A-League bigwigs, the the grand final has always been played at the highest remaining team that's in the final, much like the MLS Cup has in, in most of the recent memory. And that's changed. 
The, the big wigs at the A-League decided that Sydney will be hosting the grand final for the next three years, no matter what teams make it into the final. And obviously, the Melbourne teams have done well recently and lifted the, the trophy. So the Melbourne fans weren't happy. We were told they were going to do some protests at this derby. A lot of talk had been it was going to be a walkout, which I thought was kind of pointless because well, you're already in there. There were walkouts in other stadiums, apparently. Yes. So it wasn't it wasn't just the only one. So for the first 20 minutes of the Melbourne derby, they, there was a lot of flares getting thrown out on the pitch. They, they, didn't, they didn't do a walkout. They did more like a walk-on. Yes. Yeah, walk-on. <laughs> but they'd been throwing flares on, on the pitch. and as you, as you do. As you do. And, of course, they, they had the buckets there to extinguish the, the flares. Uh, and then about the 21st minute mark, there was a, a pitch invasion. But it was sparked because a flare had been thrown in the pitch and the Melbourne City keeper had kind of taken the flare and kind of thrown it back towards the crowd. And that then sparked That's an invasion of the Melbourne Victory well, fans. It apparently, I thought, did go, it apparently did go into the group of fans. It didn't even go towards yeah. it. It went into the fans. I, I thought, oh, has, has Zach made it over to Australia now and caused some <laughs> more trouble down under? But no, apparently not. He's, he was still here. But if you haven't seen the footage, the Melbourne Victory fans just run on the pitch. Someone takes the bucket that the flares get extinguished in and slams it into the face of the Melbourne City goalkeeper. He was taken off to hospital. The referee got hurt as well. The yeah. match got abandoned. Just absolutely batshit crazy scenes. I think it was, the whole thing was like, if he had just thrown it and it didn't go into the crowd, I don't think it would have happened. But mm. hitting, it probably hit somebody and that just sparked everything. But you know what? If you're going to throw something onto there onto the field um, and you, then you're going to get upset because it was thrown back at you, then, you know, um, maybe you shouldn't should be. I feel like that's the snowflake mentality where you just can't take it if you if you do it. To but that, that's the thing with football fans. They can't take it back. And it's like, yeah. I, I've been guilty for that as well. You abuse a player, he gives something back and then it, like all hell breaks loose but that was absolutely insane and it's actually really sad because Australia had done so well that the Socceroos had got an enthusiasm back for Australian soccer mm. and oh that's just been undone because that's just all everyone's talking about down there and I don't know what the repercussions are going to be yet for for Melbourne and their fans but it's not looking good and it's also maybe not made the big wigs think, yeah, maybe we should have the grand final played in <laughs> Melbourne instead of Sydney either. So, but yeah, crazy stuff. Merry Christmas, everybody. But that is it for this show. Thank you as always for listening. Until next time, take care, stay safe in the snow, and mon the messy. Go into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left, yeah, but then